0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.
1: But as to what happened at the weekend, uh, I was racking my brains and going back over paperwork and looking at Medair and forecasts on Friday as an example. And there was no way that they were forecasting the amount of... Rain or indeed wind, but certainly rain that fell uh, nowhere near it, even though it met Aaron are saying this morning in the echo uh, that their forecasts for Thursday and Friday uh, last week had warned of heavy rain on Sunday with the risk of local flooding i couldn 't find that forecast anywhere i 'm not disputing that they said that they warned of it, but I wasn't aware of it. I didn't see it anywhere. And in fact, the, the the echo this morning leads with that story, the dispute over the Cork forecast, with Matt Aaron rejecting criticism from the Lord Mayor Deirdre Ford. She said that Cork City Council could never have prepared for it uh, because it hadn't received enough notice when they actually got it. Matt Aaron issued a status yellow warning uh, just the day before, and there wasn't sufficient, to- sufficient time, she says, for them to... Uh, to prepare, the city's drains were overwhelmed, as we know, by the intensity of the downpour. Now, some were critical on this program yesterday that those drains, for want of a better word, aren't serviced often enough and cleared and cleaned out often enough. But there you have it. Um, you know, hopefully uh, we'll learn from that. Um, but anyway, just be be on your guard this week because it'll be a wet week and windy week. But I'd say everybody will be, you know, ready to rock when it comes to. Uh, and um, whatever emergency protocols need to kick in, but hopefully they won't. But uh, talking about changes to protocols, um, this is breaking news. Uh, from yesterday and the papers carry it obviously this morning the eviction ban that will kick in in two weeks. Now we had a ban on evictions during COVID so this is a new eviction ban so the moratorium the period in which you won't be allowed to evict a tenant will start on the first day of November and it will end at the last day of March and the papers this morning like the mail says eviction ban in two weeks. Uh, This morning the star says landlords face ban on marching orders and the independent on its inside pages says yes this will happen but it won't apply, the eviction ban won't apply to antisocial tenants or those that refuse to pay rent or those that damage the properties. They can still be evicted during the government's possible eviction ban. But it's still unclear to me, like the Times says the plan for the ban on winter evictions will last until March they're expected to sign off on it today but what I was thinking, like for instance, if, if somebody is already on the clock and has eviction notice and the clock is ticking on the eviction notice does that stop on the first of November you know questions like that uh, also, what will it do with regards to landlords in the marketplace? Will something like this force more of them to decide to just quit and, and walk away? More on this in a few minutes' time with Threshold. Um, hopefully they'll be able to shed some light on it. But all of it, of course, has very much to do with the lack of uh, properties that are available. Um, you know, We're also talking as well about um, the cost of living. And uh, Papers this morning talk about the energy crisis, record homeless levels on their inside pages. Uh, they talk about families struggling as the, struggling as the increase of the absolute basics now when you look at things like bread or, or butter as they hone in on in the papers this morning and the vast increases in the past 12 months. Everything has gone north and there's nothing you can do about that. More about that in a few minutes. time. The other story, of course, that's of interest to many families would be the fact that junior cert students will have to wait until after the midterm break for their junior cert results. Now, that affects the subjects that they're taking in uh, fifth year. That affects those who have decided not to go into a transition year. That affects those who have decided to go and do uh, an apprenticeship, for instance. They need the results for all of these things. But uh, the results are expected to be released sometime next month, uh, you know, after schools return from the midterm break. We're looking at nearly 70,000 students who are in limbo, waiting since June for the outcome of their exams the first junior cycle exam since 2019 and the main reason behind it you're probably aware of it they couldn't get enough teachers to mark the papers so more about that as well this morning we'll chat with Aaron Wolf, uh, the principal of, of a uh, secondary school on Cork's south side interesting when you look at projects being planned and I know that the city has an awful lot of uh, you know construction going on and roadworks going on and God knows we wish it was all at an end, but some of it at least will be, uh, and some are underway already, major developments in in the city. But you know, there's two, there are two, I see there's an issue in in Merchant's Key with Duns, the anchor tenant in Duns. I think they're being sued. Uh, for not reopening. I read that online somewhere last night and they're, and are key anchor tenants in Merchants Key, But not too far from that then you have the Penny's store uh, on Patrick Street right and you have the Queen's Oak Castle. So there's a lot of projects in the city. Those two major developments have been delayed. Now Penny's want to scale up and get much much bigger and then there's work and stuff being done at the Queen's Old Castle. But they're still awaiting final planning decisions before construction work can commence. But these have been delayed because of a backlog of cases that are coming before on board Planola where people are you know, looking for planning permission, there may be objections and and stuff like that. So uh, that's unfortunate because we need these things done and we need the city to drive on. I was chatting with the taxi driver yesterday, actually, who said to me, it's it's interesting because he says, I'm driving and in Cork for a long, long time. And he says, I have not seen as many job applications up on windows in the city since the 1970s and 80s. And God knows, I don't know whether even any job applications on windows in the 80s, with the often recessionary 80s that we had. But there are lots of job opportunities in the city Don't know what they pay, really don't know what the hours are. But he was saying to me, it's extraordinary to see the amount of windows and shop doors that have job applications up on them. In other news this morning, for those that are working, care workers. About 6,000 of them now are, uh, about 6,000 families are in need uh, of uh, care workers and they're on waiting list for them. But those that are doing the caring, thousands of them are working in poor conditions and their levels of pay are shockingly bad. This is a new report that's been revealed in The Independent this morning. They do the most important work, you know, really and truly they do. But yet their rates of pay and their conditions are absolutely Primitive. And then uh, Menopause Week, the week that's in it, I was telling you yesterday that a lack of help of regarding menopause and trying to deal with the crisis of going through menopause and the difficulty of it is forcing an awful lot of women uh, to quit jobs. And the Mail picks up on that story today. Uh, in fact, workplace exodus of female employees is also dealt with in this morning's, women, uh, in this morning's Mirror where they talk of menopausal women not getting the help not being able to cope. In fact, the Indo this morning says that women going through menopause are continuing to face all sorts of challenges, including a shortage of some doses of hormone replacement therapy, which is being blamed uh, on increased demand for it. you think they could anticipate all of these things. But a lot of the texts that I've been getting from yesterday on menopause from people who have an opinion on it talk about women going through menopause, not being listened to, not being diagnosed, not given the proper medication, not even being listened to properly by their GPs. And one or two other related stories that may be of interest. Bono's got a new book out and they serialized it in the newspaper. And the star this morning says... Uh, that um, Bono's IRA death threat terror and gangsters planning to ki- to kidnap his girls. The memoir reveals how crime mob staked out Bono's home, by all accounts. And one final one with regards to uh, criminality. You have uh, the former Sinn Féin councillor Jonathan Dowdle and his father um, in jail. They're expected now to get specially cooked meals in prison to avoid attempts to poison them because they will be testifying in the trial of Jerry the Monk Hutch and everybody wants that wants them to get into court alive so special meals it's almost like the days of goodfellas and uh, the sopranos and mobster carry on isn't it where you think of it anyway lights open pick up the phone 0818104106 particularly if you've an opinion on rent and evictions and hopefully um, um, a lot of people have been caught by surprise on the detail regarding the eviction ban that will come in in two weeks, but my first protocol to hopefully get some questions answers answered is to Threshold. Happy to say John Mark McCafferty, the CEO of Threshold, is with me again this morning. So John Mark, good morning. Good morning, Neil. So I know as much as we've seen in the newspapers, it starts on the 1st of November and nobody can be evicted until the 31st of March unless you don't pay your rent, unless you trash the house or the apartment, unless you're antisocial or involved in criminality. But is there any more we need to know? Like one question that springs to mind is, what if somebody's already on notice? Does that pause now on the 1st of November?
2: I've heard conflicting things, so um, we we won't know until the government make um, a full announcement on this. Um, but I, I've I've seen that there's a pause, and I've also seen that um, somewhere that are uh, heard somewhere, um, that those those. Um, Evictions will continue, or the, the the notice of termination is still alive. So the, we're not quite sure. Is basically
3: it in a
1: nutshell. So it's contradictory still until it's clarified in the doll or sorry, in cabinet today. Um, would it also mean that maybe landlords who were contemplating giving eviction will now use the next couple of weeks to start the eviction notice process?
2: They may do. Yeah, I, I guess whenever you're announcing a very, very big change. Um, to something like the housing market, especially the private rented sector, um that can um be a flag to you know say for example landlords um or, or any actor within that sector to 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 you know act quickly um so so that is a concern that um, um landlords that we're thinking of um to carrying out a notice of termination uh, may may do so with um, with greater momentum than, than than they might have done uh, in in the previous weeks.
1: Okay, they're calling it a no fault eviction ban. Uh, what does that mean? Um, where you where you yeah. I mean, you pay your rent and I you suppose, behave? Is it? Yeah, yeah. No fault as as in um, where there's
2: an eviction through no fault of your own because. Um, The landlord wants to sell, you know, the landlord or or a family member needs to intend to move in um, or there's um, very, very significant renovation uh, to be done to the to the property. Um, So that's where, you know, a tenant has adhered to all of the um, rules of their their tenancy agreement and still they are losing their tenancy on the basis of, of those
1: grounds. So that won't be allowed from the 1st of November. If you're a good tenant, you're paying your rent, you're looking after the property, even if the landlord says I want it back because I need to sell it, even if the landlord says I want to move into it myself or a family member, that won't be allowed.
2: That It appears that that won't be allowed. It's more where there's antisocial behaviour yeah. reported um, and where there's an unwillingness to pay rent. But there's the rub, um, you know, uh, how do you define between kind of... Um, an unwillingness to pay rent and an inability to pay rent. So I suppose the difference usually is where someone is engaging with their landlord, it's a bit like you know, a, a, any um, creditor, they're engaging with the landlord and they're trying to set up some kind of payment situation but it might not be the same
1: level as yes uh, yes and do you Um, deal with do you deal with tenants in that crisis situation they're great tenants they are looking after the property they don't ask for much and they're happy enough but they're just struggling to pay the amount do you intercede on their behalf
2: yeah, we, we, we would, and, um, you know, we, we work in partnership with the likes of the Society of Vincent de Paul, um, you know, in situations where there's kind of financial financial issues. Debt is a, an issue in relation to rent and affordability generally. We know that from the, the increase in rent since 2013. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, uh, it, it's an area that, uh, among, other, among other things, we, we need to kind of uh, to look carefully now because of energy bills the rising cost of living so while things are really challenging up until now um, and rents continue to increase it's the outgoings now over the next week's months that will be really really trying for a lot of people who are on fixed incomes who are on middle to lower incomes and who are in the private rented sector and they have to balance and they have to budget between paying rent to stay in their home yeah and also then keeping the heat on yeah. and, you know, ensuring the, the food in the table. So that will be a real challenge over the next number of months. And, and I think that's part of the, 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 the picture here we need to consider as well. It's not just about the fact that there's a lack of, a fundamental lack of accommodation and, and tenants, uh, landlords are, are, are selling and moving out. It's that also tenants are, are going to be struggling
1: yeah. with um, household bills. And therefore they have to uh, juggle as to whether they have the heat on, uh, food on the table, or the full rent paid. Do you find that, by and large, generally speaking, that landlords are sympathetic to that plight? Do when you engage with them, do do they work with you?
2: Yeah, the vast majority of landlords are, are, are good landlords, you know, and they, they, they sympathise with their, their with their tenants. And, and our role and threshold is to advise tenants, but also to, to mediate and work alongside landlords to find solutions, and um, you know. Our work is to prevent homelessness from happening in the first place, to stop it occurring um, and, and to ensure that people um, aren't finding themselves in emergency accommodation or worse. Um, and so we want solutions and, and that's why we, we engage with landlords every day in trying to
1: find those those solutions. You'd welcome this though, surely be to God. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's what November, December, January, February, March. It's five full months where worry has been taken away from tenants
2: um look anything that protects tenants is uh, you know by its nature um, a positive move however um, we're also mindful of what landlords are telling us and and what landlords are expressing around um the you know the changes and decisions um the the fact that you know if you know, there, there will be landlords who genuinely need to sell because of their own, you know, issues uh, and they need to kind of realise that income and, and they won't be able to. So we, we are mindful of that. So, but they I, won't be able
1: I, to sell now, you see.
2: Exactly. So um, that's that's one of the drawbacks of a moratorium. And that's why, you know, a moratorium is not a panacea. It's not a silver bullet. It can create problems down the road. Um, it could, could create problems for s- supply of uh, private rented housing in the in the medium and longer term if landlords decide, look, that this is just one moratorium too many, yeah. and I've had yeah. enough. So, I mean, I, I have huge and threshold has huge sympathies in, in that regard. But what is the alternative right now? When we see that, you know, um we, you know, our figures are that we've hit um, 462 uh, private renters a-, a month this year on average um faced with the notice of termination. Uh, on all of that, 50% 58% is when the la- is where the landlord intended to sell. sell up, yeah. And that compares with 262 renters a month on average in 2019. Yeah, so there's a doubling, effectively yeah. a doubling of, yeah. of, of tenancy termination. So yeah. there is now an epidemic of ten- tenancy terminations, whereas the last one moratorium was to do with the pandemic. Yeah. So um it, and not only that, you know, four or five years ago Tenants would have other options if they lost their tenancy. There was there were other private rented houses, apartments on the market, and, and they, they they usually would have been able to access something else. There is now low or no supply of alternatives, and also emergency accommodation is totally maxed out at the local authorities and, and among the voluntary organisations. So people have no options. It's their they option to now, i found emergency.
1: on this program, actually, is to go to family members if at all possible. Yeah. yeah?
2: Absolutely, to follow the mercy of family and friends, to sofa surf, to couch surf. Yes, and they might be moving around different people, and that's a really chaotic and a really uncertain um, uh, scenario for people, especially families and children. Yeah, um, and um, so it's a desperate measure. It, we're, we're living in desperate times.
1: We'll see what happens later today then, but I did read in one of the newspapers just before I let you go, the mail said tenants who have already received notice to quit orders will also be protected by the new legislation. That would come as a relief if it's true to people who are on the clock and say only have weeks, maybe they have an eviction notice that runs out in the middle of November or December. Wouldn't that mean that they'd have somewhere at least to stay until March? Yes,
2: if it means that the the notice the process of notices of termination um, pause. pauses, yeah. then yeah, there, there's some respite and there's some breathing space for people who have already faced those uh, notices to quit um, we just need clarity And or there's another
1: thing they... that's needed clarity as well is let's say for instance if um, it's been a court order where evictions by court orders have been enforced, um, do they also also pause? <laughs> Again, yeah, that, that would,
2: that's subject to the, the, the final design of the, of the legislation. Let's really. see.
4: So yeah,
1: let's see. Okay. Listen, John Mark, thanks for taking the call. Just to let you know statistically, because we looked at Cork City this morning, there are 41 homes to rent on Daft in the entire area of Cork City and suburbs this morning. Mind you, there are 85 homes to rent on Airbnb in Cork, so double the amount on Airbnb. Isn't 41 a tiny amount of homes
2: Oh, it's tiny. And it's something we've said repeatedly about uh, the fact that um, a lot of people must be flouting the Airbnb, the, the rules regarding um, short lets because, um, as you mentioned there, Neil, and it's very stark. There's double the number of um, homes available in Airbnb as there are um, in, in relation to kind of um, longer term uh, lets. Now, you know, the, the short lets are, are fine in terms of people letting out a room or two in the house that they occupy. That where there's entire homes uh, being let for you know periods uh, you know more than ninety days a year in the rent pressures on areas which is effectively all the towns and cities of the country, um, that is in controversial, contravention of the law. But up until now, it just simply hasn't been policed, it hasn't been monitored, or policed or challenged, um, and that's uh, it's not the, the only reason, but it's, it's one of many reasons why um, private rented private renting is uh, becoming. Out of, out of reach for, for
1: many households yes. and for many families yes. and that's a real concern well there are the statistics for you thanks for taking the call John Mark as always John Mark McCafferty CEO of Threshold we've got texts and calls after the break get involved in the conversation you can text 086 and uh, Carrie's got a story to share after the break
5: text the Neil Brenderville show now 086 RED FM
1: Carrie good morning
6: Good morning, Neil. How
1: are you? I'm good, thank
5: you. Now, you were
1: listening to the programme yesterday morning and heard various stories from people who find themselves in crisis because landlords have given notice to quit and the clock is ticking for many of them. Your text, I think, was prompted because of that because with you, the clock stopped ticking. It literally, you ran out of time. And now you're in hotel accommodation in Mallow. Am I right?
6: You are indeed,
1: yes. Okay. So that would be deemed as emergency accommodation. Did you, did you That's move correct. in? So you and your son, what? You have a hotel room, is it?
6: Yes, uh, we're in a hotel room at the moment um, because the council and TAP had nowhere else to put us Um, and this is my second time trying to avail of emergency accommodation. Um, So they've put us into a hotel room. It's a twin bedroom for both myself and my son um, and our cat and our dog. So we're kind of of, a bit all over the place there. So the cat, the dog,
1: your son, yourself and all your possessions in the world in a hotel room in Malibu for how long do you think that will be?
6: Um, well half have told me that it will be till the end of this month because um, the house that I'm going to has a tenant there at the moment and she is uh, moving out at the end of the month when she gets the keys to a council house she's a failed of a council house um, but I've no idea what this house is going to be like at all like I'm basically going to go um, blindfolded as as you like yes. and uh, yeah. you know um, I, I don't know what it's like I, I don't even know if it's suitable um, you know so I'm kind of hoping that it'll work out that it'll be fine you know.
1: So the house that you will move into when you leave the hotel will that be a county council property?
6: No, it won't. It's a private landlord. Gotcha. Um, okay. So the tenant uh, yeah. will
1: move into a county council property, freeing up the private one. You'll move in and HAP will kick in. What, what, was there an issue with, because I'm curious the amount of people that tell me over the years, landlords are slow to take HAP or rent allowance. Was there issues with your HAP? Um, there
6: was. When I moved in at first, I'm there four years now. When I moved in, I was a failing of rent allowance and then I moved over to HAP. Um, because I was kind of advised that it's a you know better system. So I got the landlord on board and they agreed with it. Um but unfortunately whatever way HAP pay out, they pay out in a which is the end of the month, rather than the start of the month. And the landlords they um you know, they they just weren't having that at all. They wanted two payments. They wanted a payment for myself at the start of the month and a payment from HAP at the end of the month. Um and I suppose we kind of got into a dispute over that. Um did it end and, up with the R T B you owner? Know, It is indeed, yes. We went to the RTB because I was trying to, I suppose I was looking for validity on the termination agreement, um, you know, and there were other things that were going on as well that the landlord hadn't uh, You know, kind of kept up um, maintenance within the house. Outside the house they were fine because they were concerned for the neighbours, but inside the house there wasn't much work done at all. Um, So I wasn't happy with it. Um, I took a case to the RTB. I that part of the case where you know they had to pay X amount of money to get things sorted um, and I you know um, without going into the whole localities of it you know uh, they became quite aggressive um, you know so I received a small tiny sum from the RTB but like the thing is um, you know they just yeah they kind of wanted me out and that was it and the validity was was accepted um, and that was fine and I was to be out in June uh, of this year, yeah yeah, um but but, but, um, so,
1: but you, how how did you manage to stay on' because this is october
6: yes, um, well, I suppose um when it went to the RTB um, I suppose one of the conditions are that you know, it takes five to six weeks for it to, for them to um, uh, assess it and, and uh, come back then to see, um, you know if, if I've won my case or not um, and it kind of seemed to have gone on Yeah, so, yeah. you uh, stay in the, in yeah, the house until
1: yeah. that decision is made but, but ultimately yes. you may have been proven right in the RTB but it doesn't stop eviction notice
6: no, absolutely not. If they've no standing at all. Uh, you know, the landlords have a monopoly over this um, you know, uh and who, it's
1: kind of Who got you the who got you the house that you'll move into? Was that the council or did you manage to get that yourself?
6: Oh, the house that I I have just vacated, is it?
1: No, the one that you'll move into soon
6: oh sorry uh no that was true hap that was true uh place finders um, Hap, there's um yeah. you know there was somebody there um she kind of I suppose she took pity on me and she said look we'll try and find your house now the thing is Neil I've done quite a lot of work in in the background you know I have written to the minister of housing um Darrell O'Brien on Numerous occasions, um, I have been banging on doors. I know all of the council up in Cork County Council and Mallow County Council, all the top people that you know. Through over the years, that I would have resources, pull them all out of the house, and not one of them could help me. Yeah. They, they, I've just went full circle, all the way around, uh, been passed off from one person to another. You see so, the
1: problem? The uh, problem that I'm seeing you know, an awful lot, and it's getting worse, is that there's just not enough housing or apartments to go around, in spite of the fact that councils are buying up off plans many many houses that are literally not even built yet they're buying them desperately trying to uh you know put as many people as they can on their housing lists in homes but they're losing the battle um to, to yes. some extent people listening to this would say that there is luck on your side in the sense that okay you're in a hotel now but in maybe a month or two you'll be back in what a three-bedroom semi
6: I, I don't know because I mean the thing is I'm also on a council list and you know I haven't um, I haven't had a look in it at all. Like I mean I bid for a house every single week um, on the uh, their CBL um, website and when I bid for that house I normally go to have a look at it because I get all excited thinking oh I might be next in the queue. And when I go to look at it. The house is completely different than what's on the website. You have this lovely little picturesque uh, house on the website and when you go to view it, uh, one house so warded up I had horses living in the front of it and we were like you know, that's the house they're advertising, so yeah. how people are getting council houses is beyond me, you know, I don't know how they're getting them at all, it's a crazy situation, and like, the thing is um, you know, the council houses, they have to do up, and they're not going to get a huge amount of profit, or, you know uh, from me, whereas with HAP, they have to pay my HAP every single month, and it's costing them money, so I don't know who um, you know, is, is like, responsible for all of this, because I don't think, you know, the House of Minister actually realises what's happening on the ground level at all you know
1: no, and i think that people are becoming so desperate they're willing to take any property even if it's a property yeah. that's in need an awful lot of um an awful lot of repair you know that's the problem yes uh, they're that desperate yes. that's the problem and um, was people people will be wondering did you at any stage have a, a family home that you know i mean your your son is, is 16 was that was there an issue there i wonder that you didn't have a family home ever
6: Oh no, we had a family home, we dreamt our, oh, sorry, we built our dream home, um, and unfortunately eight years ago we had to forget it because uh, there was an ongoing problem we we built it um, in rural land, and um, it should never have been built really, because the soil wasn't, uh, oh, God. you know, the soil wasn't suited, so we had to move out and we were told it'll only take six months and eight years later, here we are, we're still renting, and we're now stuck in the middle of the whole crisis oh, that's going God. on so,
1: fi- so financially, you must have been ruined with that house is it still just sitting there
6: it is yes um, it is we were told it was going to be knocked down um, but nothing has been done about it at all Um, so yeah it's still sitting there and yes we are being financially ruined like you know um, and it's uh, yeah it's just absolutely crazy it's madness you know Um, so yeah that's where we're at at the moment
1: oh my god that's incredible that's that's another story in itself a perfectly good home Built in an area that I think made all sorts of issues with the land. The lads were telling me the soil, the sewage, uninhabitable. So you literally closed the front door and just walked away from it.
6: That's right. That's what we did. And, um, yeah, and, and, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, back and forth with engineers and, and trying to. Is it worthless um, me... now? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's well, not worth anything at all. You know, we have to start again.
1: There must be an awful lot of stress and anxiety and worry in your life from that day forward.
6: Yeah, absolutely, there is, you know, and, and this is the thing I heard on the radio earlier on the news that, you know, one in five are suffering from mental health issues, you know, um, and you wonder how people get there. It's all of this stuff, you know, it's the housing crisis, the health crisis. Um, you know, the system really um, yeah, has yeah. fair its people. It has you know. actually,
1: and you know, I'm hearing of a lot of people who are just leaving Ireland, a particular generation of 20-somethings, as an example, are leaving. Years ago, those 20-somethings were going because they couldn't get a job now they could get a job the salary though goes nowhere near getting a home but there is nowhere to rent so they're going to other countries Um, it's pretty much a crisis isn't it
6: it is absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'm doing a degree at the moment, um, and I'm just uh, we're, we're learning all about you know the the future plan for housing 2025, and it's absolutely joke um, reading it. You know, uh, and there is no future plan really. You know, well I when you we sort it out today.
1: when you qualify as a social worker, which I believe that's what you're studying as, you will be dealing with the case histories of families going through exactly yes. what we're talking about. I don't know how you going to cope with that because to a large extent you'll be helpless
6: um i don't know like really because you know um in that area i'd rather be um up with social policy you know because like there is um i like i know people are going through um something similar as myself, you know, like there's a 40,000 people on a yeah. Facebook page that, you know, I, I would check in every now and again. And I understand that, you know, and I mean, I know you can't help just one person and you can't fix everybody, but like, I mean, even just one voice helps all voices. That's the way I'd see it, you know. You. But definitely, um, you know, I think there has to be some sort of system where it's the middle ground, you know, because it's a two-tier system that we have. Unfortunately, it's them and us, but we need somebody in the middle there and there has to be a system set up for that you know an actual housing agency that deals with people on the ground level
1: well maybe um, maybe a new government and whenever that will be two years time (laughs) might might sweep all of that change into place you know can i just ask you finally living in the in the hotel i think you're only you're only just settling in now but like uh, how, how do you function there your son goes to school from there does he
6: He does, and you know what? um, Like I've had to swallow my pride, literally, because like what I've been through over the last couple of months—it's been horrendous. Um, You know, and we were moving stuff in there over the weekend, and we were going in with like uh, bags and and boxes of things, and all the staff were looking at us, going, "Are they moving in?" Like I was treating it as a house, because I mean, obviously, we have to bring all our stuff in. You know, I mean, in the hotel, and it's so embarrassing. You know, it's embarrassing for my son. He's going around to the um, the exit door, and we're sneaking in and out and oh, you know I I'm guess. trying to I'm yeah. trying to make light of this, but it is it's horrendous it's a, it should not be going on it's absolutely crazy and nobody's taking anything on board at all nobody's helping you know and there's you, no help there
1: what would you do then for um, maybe eating or cooking or laundry and things
6: well, that's something now that I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'll be up against over the next couple of weeks. So, I mean, um, I'm not too sure, really. I don't have a plan as such. I was just so grateful to get a roof off my head that I kind of said, you know, we'll, we'll get everything into the room and then we'll go from there. So I don't know really Yes, you know. Um, so, uh, like, yeah, we'll just have to kind of sort it out. We'll, yeah,
1: yeah. And we will,
6: you know, it'll work out. But, but,
1: But you must know where you're going to have the next meal.
6: Oh, yeah. Um, Well, to be honest with you, I don't because the thing is, I'm not going to be able to afford to eat out out every day. I'm a full time student and, you know, um, it's absolutely crazy. We're going to have to kind of, I suppose, subsidize and, and, you know, um, just do what we have to do, like, you know.
1: Oh, my God. I hope that things improve for you in the foreseeable future, maybe in the short term when this house becomes free and you move into it and it is nice you know you don't yeah, you don't yeah, know absolutely. but fingers crossed yeah, yeah.
6: Yeah, and and you know what, the sad thing about it is as well, like, you know, um, I mean, just even last night there with my son, you know, um, when we were busy chatting away and he fell asleep and in his hand, you know, uh, my father had passed away last year, last August, um, and it's been horrendous time, you know, we still haven't had time to greet him. Um, He had a little pocket watch in his hand, holding onto it, and my heart just broke and I said, how did we get here, Dad? You know, how are we in this situation? It's absolutely horrendous, you know, it's it's so but like he's keeping the faith that something is going to come up. So I have to be there for him, you
1: know. He's keeping your dad's watch hope close to him, hoping that he your dad is, will yeah. be the intervention to make things better yeah. in your lives. That's that's a lovely trait in a son. You should be very proud of him.
6: I am. I am. It's, it is absolutely. And he's just a fantastic child. He really, really is. You know, he's just, he, he's so with Um, you know, um, for, for a 16 year old, okay. he just really clued into everything. Like, okay. you know, he's so passionate.
1: OK, well, you're looking after each other. Do stay in touch and hopefully the next few weeks will be good news for you and you can move on and upwards. Will you stay in touch?
6: I will, absolutely Neil, and thank you so much for giving me okay. this time, I know it's a new little platform, but you know, as I said, it might help somebody else out there, you know, to let them know there is hope, know. you know, Never absolutely.
1: Okay, mind yourself, Never take care, up. talk All soon. Alright,
6: thanks Neil, thanks again. Bye.
5: bye. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818 104 Red FM.
1: Conversation soon with a woman who's got her entire family and they're couch surfing with a pull-out bed in their, her parents' house. So that'll be um, a story for after 10. But I was looking at uh, you know the stats this morning saying 41 homes for rent on Daft in Cork City right now. There are 85 homes to rent on Airbnb in Cork City right now. And yesterday, the Simon community... Uh, released a report where they looked at the comparison between this year and last year for people on HAP and they found a massive drop in the amount when you compare to September 2021 to September 2022. Like at the end of September this year there were 35 HAP properties available in Ireland. 35 HAP properties, 23 of them were in Dublin alone. I mean, it's a horrific figure. When you break it down then for couples or single people, there were 11 properties available under the uh, HAP rate right across the country. And when you drill into that figure even more, only one of those was available in Cork. Uh, It's insane. Say lone parent with a child. There were only 13 properties available um, and six of those were outside of Dublin Uh, Maybe there was none at all available uh, in Cork at the end of September for a lone parent with a child in Cork. It's a shocking statistic, particularly when you even compare it to last year's figures and numbers. And they were bad enough as it was 12 months ago. Uh, More on evictions and issues like that uh, with the announcement of a freeze on evictions that will come into place on the 1st of November and last until the end of March. Um, That's an emergency um, uh, law that's been passed. Now we had one of them in COVID and it's back again. Of course, no such rules apply to people unfortunately that might find themselves suffering to pay their mortgage or getting into mortgage arrears, which is very unfortunate. Maybe something could be done in that regard as well as people juggle between uh, utility costs and fuel costs and food and mortgage payments and everything else like that and Christmas around the corner, but there is some great news, uh, particularly uh, for um, an Irish girl's family. Um, I heard it earlier on this morning. The story of Emma O'Sullivan Lafora. I mean, she went through a fourteen-hour risky operation in Spain, uh, and the family are delighted with it because she's pulled through with it. You wouldn't believe the amount of work that was done and the amount of surgery that went on. Apparently, first of all, it, she had an intestinal transplant. She's only 17 months old. First of all, she had an intestinal transplant. And then she received a new liver, a new stomach, a new spleen, a new pancreas. I had to read that a couple of times to make sure that it was true and accurate. But to fill us in on the backstory, her grandmother is Helen O'Sullivan. And she joins me by phone with the update on this fabulous miracle work of science. So, Helen, good morning.
4: Good morning, good morning to everybody in Cork City, Thank- Cork
1: County. And congratulations to the bars, on winning the county <laughs> final. Well said, what a great introduction. You're also living in Spain, haven't, aren't you, and have been for quite some time, I believe. Well,
4: that- I, I've, been, I've been living in Spain for the past 48 years, 1974. Go I came away. in Franco's time.
1: In Franco's in Franco. time. And did you, just so. as a, by the way, you set up an English language school, I believe, did you? And your son we was born We have an English
4: there. language school. And my three sons were born here in Sohovia.
5: And where are you originally and, uh, from? I my mean, as well. y- where, where were you and raised?
4: From, originally from well, from Blarney. I was born in Blarney, went to school in Rockpecon, ended up in the North Con- the Convent in Cork City.
1: Right.
4: And then went to Spain in my early 24s, 25s.
1: Right. And you never lost your Cork accent, in fairness, yeah?
4: No, no, you can't lose a bad thing. <laughs>
1: You can't lose a good thing. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> tell us all oh. about. Tell us all about Emma, will you?
4: Well, what can I tell you? She, she has, after coming to a remarkable recovery, doing very well, thriving. A great recovery, a great recovery. And you said it yourself. She, she had a, the the transplant recently.
1: And what and about all the, the other? What about all the other? What about all the other organs that she received? Is all that accurate?
4: It is. It's quite, you, you mentioned yourself, you're quite correct. The liver and, and, the, and the stomach, all together in the one day.
1: Liver, stomach, uh, a spleen, for,
4: a for, pancreas, exactly, intestines. And, they, and of course, the bowel. Incredible. In a short bowel. They yeah. call it a short bowel. They call it here in Spanish.
1: Was it, was it a very risky operation then, considering our size and our age?
4: Very risky. It, it ran a high risk of rejection or infection. But Emma got neither one. She made a remarkable, a remarkable recovery. Yeah, yeah. Very successful, so very what,
1: successful. Because she's only, as you say, she's only 17 months old. If she was that that's unwell, right, I'd say right. she spent a lot of those 17 months in hospital anyway, did she?
6: She
4: did indeed, the first six months, and then the comings and goings, revisions, and then waiting on the, she was on the waiting list for the transplant.
1: And was she unfortunately no. deteriorating while waiting?
4: Very, very much so it was either it was very urgent she was number one on the waiting list and when it turned up she was compatible and they said look let's try the new system called a uh, systolic donation and as you know Spain is number one in the world for donation
1: these are donor the organs, organs you're
4: donation. talking about yeah. it, it is that's right donor organs
1: isn't it amazing
4: and in transplant organs as well the hospital in Madrid La Paz is one of the most famous hospitals in Europe Right. And maybe in the world after this
5: right
1: and and so the
4: main thing that this gives rise to more donors, more um, because the donors, as you know, are very scarce. People don't, so this might give rise, and it's a breakthrough
3: for. Uh,
1: yeah, I know. If people, yes, for instance, if people are going through tragedy in their own lives and they're asked about donor that's, about donations, yeah. that they should consider it. Yeah. Have you seen a huge that's improvement in her now since the operation? I think somebody unbelievable. was unbelievable. You, your your daughter in law was quoted as they got their new they got a new baby back.
4: And she's right. That's why we got back a new baby. Unbelievable! She's crawling around the house, eating, eating, perfectly, fantastic. It's 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 unbelievable. That's why the the surgeons and all the hospitals are so happy. She's number one. No rejection. No infection. The bowel is one of the one of the organs that has a high runs a high risk of infection, rejection. It's a very delicate
1: organ. It's a great story, very and delicate. I know I know that you're I happy. Especially on a baby. Especially
4: yeah. on a baby. We're well, over the moon. We- We can't
1: believe it. Yeah, yeah. And family back in Cork are delighted. and I think there's family all over the world, I believe, isn't there?
4: The Cork, Mitterstown, Blang, you don't know more, and the States, my brother as well. So we're all over the map, all
1: over the world. Delighted for you, all of the family and little Emma on the mend. Listen, before I let you go, I don't know how aware you are, how how complex things here are at home with fuel and cost of living and inflation and housing issues. What's it like where you are?
4: Here, just as bad, and I... Nearly say even worse, Go away. even worse, even worse. They, they. Well, luckily Spain is quite near Africa, so we get our gas, etc. From uh, Algeria, Algiers, and those African countries. Yeah. Morocco, Morocco is one of our neighbours that uh, they give us the gas, so we're lucky, very lucky. So where like Germany and the other countries? So where are we're the issues? Russia for any
1: where are the issues you're having? Then is it more to do with the cost of living? Is it?
4: Of course, uh, inflation is unbelievable in this country. A dozen of eggs uh, uh, a month ago. Cost one euro, another two or two fifty. Everything,
6: yeah, I, know, but I
4: it, know. It's the same in Ireland, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I don't know that it went up that savage, but yeah, absolutely, everything's gone up. Yeah, so you, but you no, wouldn't be no, using, no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be, you, would you be using a lot of gas and electric across the winter? Your your winters you wouldn't would, be harshly. Like, would
4: indeed, you would, would you would indeed, yeah. For we're living in Zagovia, we get November, December, January, and February. We could be five below zero.
1: Go away. You never think of that in Spain. Like,
4: not all Spain is is Sunday and 40 degrees, no. In in the north of Spain, Galicia and those areas, it's five degrees and six degrees, November, December, January. Okay. Well, you're you're keeping yourself warm
1: these days with hugs off little Emma, I'd say, huh?
4: everywhere everywhere we're exhausted from interviews from uh, television programmes and we said this is the last one out today <laughs> last we can't one. Do we'll talk, talk to yeah, we we'll we'll just talk did one them. in Dublin eh? yeah.
5: we'll talk Ten to Cork ago,
4: we did Dublin yeah.
1: you'll have to talk we, to Cork have no choice, no choice. <laughs> <laughs> lovely to catch up with you delighted with your great we're news great all together take care and
4: regards to everybody in Cork City
1: Gotcha. take Fair care, play. Take care. Bye much bye. I'm Rory
6: and I'm Valerie and you can join us for the very best in local national and international every weekend on the Big Red Bench.
5: That's the Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And uh, texts and emails for a
1: couple of minutes now. Um, In fairness, regarding the eviction ban, surely they should stretch to people who fall into mortgage arrears, but the banks never lose, do they? Sadly, that's unlikely to be a moratorium that will even be thought about. Contacting you about rent, Cork County Council have put the rent up in the middle of a cost of living crisis. All I can say to them is thank you. Uh, And then, council house in Melbourne is lying idle for six months what housing crisis says Frick and this is a council house and I bet there are other people that can contact me and tell tell me of council properties that are also lying idle and I bet you for longer than six months there are over 450 Cork City council owned houses lying empty at the moment Neil 450 of them It's absolutely insane. So more of those in a few minutes' time. There was another eviction that we dealt with last week, and then a lot of different things kicked off, and I didn't get to all of your calls and comments. So a selection on some of the topics from the last few days. One in particular with regards to the eviction down in Bantry... Of a young family in a mobile home on council-owned property, regarding the eviction in Bantry, although I somewhat sympathise towards the situation they find themselves in, they did get six months' notice of this eviction. At that stage, Christina would have been two months pregnant, but yet they failed, as did their husband, to find alternative accommodation. But when it's uh, when it, but then it's when there are three weeks left to go to the birth that they've tell us that they have nowhere to go. Um, the problem in Ireland is all too often people bury their heads in the sand or they say to hell with the council. Uh, and then just generally speaking, I work in a supermarket in West Cork and you find all too often uh, people who would want, you'd want to have eyes in the back of your head with them They train their children. I'm not talking now at all about the family who are facing eviction in Bantry, but these are people who are critical of members of the traveling community. Uh, I wouldn't have any sympathy for them, Um, particularly if you worked in a supermarket, you'd know it yourself. Neil was asking about staging evictions in the early hours of the morning. The reasons that uh, the Guardi or the courts do this is that uh, staging evictions in the early hours is done to prevent embarrassment to the evicted as there are less people around to see it. Um, I'm sick of racism in this country now. I have sympathy for the traveler community. I have sympathy for the Ukrainian community. This is a situation made by the government. It's divide and conquer, much like the Romans did. Listening to your conversations about travelers, they have done this to themselves. If you were told you had to move from the site... Probably time and time again, you would have to do something about it, wouldn't you? Um, The council want the site back and they have the right to it. It's not the council's business that she's expecting a baby or has two small kids. You didn't put your kids through that, Neil, nor did I. It's their own fault and they should go. Um... Uh, I second everything your callers are saying that lady didn't appear heavily pregnant overnight she was well informed that she was always going to happen this was always going to happen and she should made more of a priority to plan ahead none of this happened overnight it's been going on for months um, you're embarrassing yourself Neil your love for travellers is overwhelming and you mentioned the U- Ukrainians in Killarney after you begging people yesterday to stop comparing unbelievable, get your facts correct uh, you also mentioned U- Ukraine. Have a coffee. Have a coffee and take a break. All right. Um, why are there no TDs in Bantry coming on air to support them? They're well able to go on air for other issues why no support for the travelling community this is discrimination at its highest level Uh, and one or two more just as a by the way travellers robbed 1000 euro worth of diesel off me over the weekend the guards came knew who they were said there was nothing they could do about it even though I provided them with the CCTV footage on camera Uh, so thank you for those Uh, actually you know the guards to the match then the bars Rockies match and the shocking weather conditions although it was still a cracking game uh, Textra says, I'm a steward. I was a steward in Porky Cueve at the match, county final day. We were out in the cold, we we're out in the wet weather, we didn't even get a voucher for a tea at one of the kiosks. We normally do, but on Sunday it was cold, wet, and windy, and we got nothing. At the briefing, a few other voluntary stewards were also complaining about this but nobody was listening. Um, And then, uh, because of the weather conditions and drivers who were driving about and um, trying to get through the flooding in their cars, some people were critical of motorists. On the way home from the match, I was trying to get my dad and a few older men to walk in the middle of the road on Church Road because of the flooding. An ignorant driver behind us kept on beeping. I put my hand up to gesture five minutes. Just give us five minutes. But he kept beeping and sped past With his fingers up gesture, the two fingers. No respect, I can tell you, I was certainly very annoyed, says uh, Aita by text. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six on that and lots more besides. And then to those that find themselves living in council properties, um, you are tenants of city council. Um, City council should be prosecuted as slum landlords. My sister has been living without a flushing toilet now for years. Constant flooding in the home due to the pipes blocked up by debris from renovations that happened years ago. The whole lot of them are slum landlords. They never do anything. That's following up on Jeremiah's call yesterday where he's living with damp and mould for years. Anyone having issues with the council are wasting their time. I've contacted them over 300 times over the last three years about leaks in my ceiling every time i get a woman on the other side of the phone who just gives me the height of abuse she is very vulgar as well okay that's a selection of text. text 0868104106 uh, just a quick call this side of the ad break if you don't mind kevin good morning okay. i'm good uh, and of course it's it's all about housing it's all about property it's all about trying to find somewhere to rent there's a rent freeze from the first of november for, for six months but what's your own situation
3: my situation, Neil, is um, my, due to health reasons, my mother had to move in with my sister. Okay. Um, because there's stairs in the house and a few bits and pieces like that. So okay. basically we, we have a house sitting idle on the south side of, of, of Cork. There. And did you come
1: um, up with a plan, did
3: you? I came I've, I've I've exhausted a lot of avenues really, but basically speaking, to get the house up to some rental standard, it has to be rewired and a bit of plastering done and a few bits and pieces okay. done, so you're going to be estimating around 30, 30 grand to get it done, right? Well, to get it up to RTB standards, you're probably talking about 100 grand with their, with their, with their, with their, um, with their standards and so on and so forth. But anyway, 30 grand, I'd say, we'd get a rewired and get a few bits and pieces done. Now, if I do that, uh, it's going to take me about 10 years to recoup that 30 grand before there's any income coming off the rent at all.
1: Of course, yeah. You've got an outlay right? of 30, 40 grand straight away. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, the situation is,
3: it's sitting there at the moment, right? So, I was, I was making a few calls and a few bits and pieces and trying to find out a bit of information on what I could do with it. And basically, we can't sell it because in the, in the, in the near future, we're, 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 we're thinking that my mother's going to have to apply for the Fair Deal scheme
1: as in as in nursing home accommodation exactly yeah exactly yeah. so if we sell it it's it's we were where we won't be we won't be able to play for that
3: so we have to keep the house um uh, regardless so what we're going, what we're planning to do is, I, a friend of mine told me that you get onto the council and the council would take it off you for 10, 15 years, or whatever the case may be. They'll renovate it and they'll they'll do a deal with you in regards to the renovation costs versus what they're what they're going to pay you for rent and so on and so forth. So I emailed the council, I rang the council, I rang the housing department, I done everything in the in the city hall, and I've heard nothing back,
1: nothing. So what I, happens when you answer the fo- when you ring the phone though?
3: Um, no, the answer is right. the answer is, right. and they, sometimes they transfer you. They say you're in the wrong department, or I put you on the right, department or whatever the case may be, and you just get a voicemail, or you know, you just get an answering machine, or so on and so forth. So this fellow really rang me back in here one one time, and he told me that. Um, that I I actually emailed this guy and um, he said that look he doesn't deal with that side of it but he'll get somebody turning me back from the department that yeah. does look after that. Yeah. So I haven't heard anything back. Anymore. Just nothing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, so it's just sitting there now at the moment, and we we can't do anything about it. And, and how it do
1: you know that the cost would be say forty grand if you if you? Well, I, I know. He, I, I, I know. OTV. I know.
3: I know. I know, it, I know people in the trade and they've just got prices off them and rough rough estimates and all that but I mean getting prices now and getting prices in six months time are two different things because
1: of the price that, you know everything is going up and yeah, the cost yeah. and stuff are going but up but if so you were to I'm rent only- it if you were to rent it privately um, I'm not saying yeah. that you would, re- re- would rent a dangerous home but if you rented it privately you wouldn't have to do any of that work would you? No, no, but it's just the the the, rewire, the wiring side of the house has it hasn't been rewired since since it
3: was built. Yeah, and this is back in it's, God only knows when. But no, no, I just conscience conscience wise, I wouldn't rent this with the wiring the way it is. Yeah. I, I'd prefer to have the, the the wiring up to scratch. But doing the wiring, you have to chase all the walls and so on and so forth. So you're you're going to have to replaster after that, and you know you're going to have to have it some <laughs> somewhere decent for somebody to rent. The, the property or whatever you know yeah. um, so anyway um, that's not an option at the moment uh, to do that uh, financially and all that I basically don't have the, the, the funds to do that so anyway moving on from that there's two other houses within the space of 100 metres of my mother and father's house that are owned by the council that are sitting there with over 12 months wow just sitting there so in, in, in the space of 100 metres So there's my house, there's two other properties owned by the council, three houses in a prime location, two bus routes uh, to the city, um, a a nice location up near the the lock, three
1: houses in the space of 100 metres that are now sitting idle. And was work done on them? Were you watch, watching them over the past year? There's
3: nothing done. Nothing done. Nothing. Absolutely so nothing. So somebody no, clearly wh-
1: moved out wh- or something in both of those cases? No,
3: they're, they're council houses, yeah. Like, Um Yeah, no, there is situations behind why both moved out, but I don't want to go into that because that's that's that's, that's their own personal uh, yeah. uh, situations. I know I know why and and how and so on, okay. but okay. yeah, I don't want to go into that because that's, it's not my business. But they're, they're owned by the council and they're sitting there. Idle, so there's potentially three council houses sitting there. There is two, but my one could potentially be another council house if they just got back to me. And um, it's insane, and, isn't it? Yeah, no. If they got back to me and said yes, they'd take it. The fact that the other two are sitting there for 12 months with nothing done. When is wh- when would they get around to doing my place? That's what I was going to say. Kind of that's what I was going
1: to say. Yeah, I mean, it's not as if your house would be let faster than the other two. It Absolutely. probably would sit just as idle as the other two. Absolutely. And that's is trying for people listening to this desperate for oh, someone this,
3: this to is, It makes my blood boil because there's, like, I, I honestly know, Neil. Do you remember back along there you had the lady that was living in the car and yeah, you know, all, all sorts thing, of you, stuff Wilson from and, and everything. Like, like, my heart was breaking for her, like, And I I, I was actually thinking at the time, you know, I'd actually give her the house to live in for nothing mm. until she got her feet in the ground.
5: Yeah, yeah.
3: Do You know, if I, if the wiring was done and, uh, do you know, my conscience is okay that the house is going to be safe. But if it was fine for to your mother, how much of a danger is it? It, listen, it's just, it's just, it's just on my conscience about the wiring. Like I just have to get it yeah, done. Like it's I've, not, it's, yeah. it's look, it's not, it's not. Um,
1: I just wouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing yeah, that somebody was there it, just yeah. in
3: case there was yeah. something. Yeah. You know, you know, you just don't know with the yeah. old, the old type of wiring. Yeah. Like I mean, this is. This so is it is the case
1: that they would take it off you, rent it from you, do the renovation, sign a yeah. deal with you for fifteen years, and fifteen would, years or whatever, the and case pay is. you a reduced rent because of the work done on it. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. That is an option. That is an option from the council, and they I've just won't. They just won't to get it across
3: the line. They won't. They won't come back to me. They won't get it across the line. They won't ring me back. They won't. They won't contact me. I. I, I don't know where to go with it. like. You know. I mean, I, I'd love to give it to somebody who was in the trade. You know, who was an electrician or whatever the case may be. Um, leave them do all the work to it, and and you know maybe live there for twelve months uh, with no rent until everything is done and. You know, they 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 have somewhere to live or whatever the case may be. Because I I hate seeing it idle, and it makes my blood boil. In it, there's two other houses owned by well, the council in hundred yeah, meters. It's so
1: frustrating, yeah, yeah. It it,
3: really it, it's ridiculous, like, and and you people they're paying they're paying uh, they're paying hotels and everything to keep people inside, and then and uh, and uh, there's there No God only knows if you drove around and spoke to other people in the in the in the area. How many more are idle? Here's another one
1: for you, Neil. I counted 33 houses on the north side boarded up with steel shutters a week ago. 33 yeah. of them. And that's just somebody who was driving around areas of the north side. Yeah, this
3: wouldn't surprise me. Like, as I say, Neil, this is a prime location. It's shocking. There's two bus routes within. I yeah. know, oh, it's these, heartbreaking. Within 200 metres, you have two bus routes. You don't what even you gonna, need a car to live here. Like. Yeah, so, what are you going to do? What can I do? Just leave it sit there? All right, uh, you know. Well, fun. what can I do? I mean, if uh, like uh, obviously, if there was if there was somebody in in, in, in dire need and, and or they were uh, capable of doing the wiring themselves and so on and so forth, then I'd be more than happy to 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 discuss something with them. Like, but I mean. You know, registering with the RTV and, you know, being a landlord and all that. I don't have time for that. I have I've, I've three kids and I have a family and, you know, I, I, I prefer just to hand it over to the council and leave them do it. And let them do it, yeah. But, yeah. you know, that's not, that doesn't seem to be an option at the moment either with them, like. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, So, I it's,
3: mean, that, that house is literally going to sit there. It's just going to sit there and that's it.
1: All right. Do stay well, in touch along with along the if, other two. Yeah, let me know if there are any updates, all right? Yeah, no hassle. All back. right, Kevin. Cheers for now. Karen, good morning.
7: Good morning, Neil.
1: How uh, are you? landlord? I am, yes. Okay. Uh, you just wanted to pick up on... Is, what's, your, what's your issue? Do you have any issue, say, for instance, with this moratorium that kicks in on the 1st of November?
7: Well, provided that you're still entitled to get tenants out who damage your property or don't pay your rent, I feel it's fine. It's fair enough. Once the tenants are minding your property and paying your rent, really, other than that, I wouldn't have an issue with it. But at the moment, I suppose I'm only a very small landlord. I only have one property rented out, which we look after very well, and we're lucky with good tenants. But the government will make it impossible. Like, first of all, you have the RTB that nobody can contact or get onto. It's just a nightmare trying to deal with them. Obviously, if you're extra property tax, your house insurance, your rental tax, and your income. Yeah. And now, the other day, there was an email from this. Um, Holdings, Thornton's Holdings, with a list of about 10 things they want on. By the 22nd of December, you, you can't get electricians or buildings. Did they
1: visit the property, the was it?
7: Yes, on beh- to me and told the tenant that they had been on to me.
1: Okay, and did they I visit because you have um, uh, a HAP? I'm HAP, registered. Yeah, oh, you're registered, but do you have a HAP tenant? No.
7: No, apparently what they're doing down the road is they're going to be visiting every single landlord. Oh, well, I only
1: thought it was council properties.
7: No, no, this is a new thing they're doing. It's a random, at the moment, unfortunately, it happens to be one of the
1: random ones. And so what will the cost be things. that they want you to do? How much?
7: I'd say about €5,000.
1: And are you going to, what are you going to do? Are you just going to sell it or what?
7: Well, you see, at the end of the day, this is our, our pension for our future. So if we sell it, we have capital gains tax. You lose like that. Yeah. Um, unfortunately they're they're really pushing people like myself to say just get out of it it's more trouble than it's worth and is it needed work is it not at all when it like this house isn't perfect nick it's it's done up constantly when the tenants leave um the tenant doesn't want the inconvenience of any of the work being done she's totally happy with the house i certainly don't want to be spending this kind of money unnecessarily um for example one of the things he was just to put a chain on windows in case the children were trying to jump out. Now there's no children in the house. Um, in the next breath, he's talking about these Bluetooth smoke alarms that are astronomical money. But surely if there's a fire, it's good to have an option. You can jump out a window. Um, it makes absolutely no sense. So they're asking you to invest about €5,000. Um, there's electricians, gas people, everyone out there. Their whole work now is going to these houses and just...
1: Yeah, yeah And yet the learn. city and yet the councils sit on derelict property. Well, they're not derelict. They're just boarded up.
7: Exactly. And like I would know of somebody who lives abroad, who's a property rented out and Thornton Holdings went in, submitted this list, which is standard going to everybody that I know who's one of the unfortunate random ones and have said, you know what, we're not going to bother renting it out anymore. We'll come home for four months a year, and we're going to leave it empty because it's just too much trouble to be trying
1: to rent. It. Yeah, I know. I understand that. I get it. And I know that the tax take on the rent is very high as well, on top of everything else. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks, and Karen. Can please. I
7: just say one last thing to you there? Maybe they should, the government should consider, instead of spending an awful lot of money to house people in hotels, which they're not really happy with, maybe they should give some incentive towards landlords and make it a bit more of a viable institution that,
1: you know, houses aren't going to be left slumped on the market. OK, and sold to the private market and taken out of the rental yeah. market. OK, thanks for that. Exactly. Much obliged, Karen. Uh, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. After the break, uh, Shane Ross, he's got a new book out called Mary Lou MacDonald, A Republican Riddle. Another few riddles attached to this at the moment because of the controversially pulled interview uh, with RTE. Um, I have no issue talking to um, uh, Shane Ross, RTE might have. In fact, I have copies of the book to give away as well this morning. He's doing some signings uh, on side across the day today. More on that after the break. Call
5: the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 106 Red FM.
1: Shane Ross, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I uh, just finished reading your book, Mary Lou MacDonald, The Republican Riddle. Um, thanks for taking the call. There's another bit of a riddle that I want to talk to just ahead of the book, though, and that is the riddle involving the interview with RTE that never got broadcast. What happened in layman's terms? In layman's terms,
8: I, I was pretty shocked. I did a, I did an interview, a recorded interview with RTE after a
1: fair amount of tricky
8: negotiation where they forbade a fair, fair amount of topics from me talking about them. The interview was done six days before it was due to be broadcast uh i went in and did it it was uh it was kind of they were they were nervous they were they were very nervous about about putting it out i didn't understand it at all
1: well why didn't you understand if if they've got um, a legal issue with mary lou mcdonald suing you you must have been interpreting that as the reason why they were nervous
8: yeah that must be the explanation i think it 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 is but it's (laughs) you know no other station and I've talked to. Nor did you. Nor did anybody else. Said to me, "Hey, this is out of bounds. That is out of bounds. You mustn't talk about the following, uh, etc." No other station or no other print media has said that to me. Only RTE. So I can only conclude that. But it's you know that that doesn't reflect very well on RTE. And when but when after we'd done the interview that that was fine they went off they, they made all sorts of conditions and just the day what, before what and, were they what were those conditions conditions where we wouldn't talk about certain certain things one was um, one was the house that uh, Mary Lou had bought in 2010 with her husband another was that we weren't to talk about grooming at all because apparently it has, it has certain implications it didn't like uh, and there were one or two others and then they wanted they, they suddenly wanted to be able to give the right of reply to Sinn Féin uh once my interview, my recorded interview was was actually it was was, was was completed, which was very unusual, but we said okay fine, if you want to get them by fly in advance, that's fine because we were very keen to get it out in the air and get and get on with it. Now, there was all those conditions were accepted. They they got everything they wanted, and then with one with one with one day to go they ran and said they were pulling it. Now we can only conclude because Michal Martin intervened in the door in a similar a similar way. He said, Look, this is chilling. Uh, it, and he, he came to the conclusion that RTE was probably influenced by the fact that they had court cases, um, numerous court cases by from RTE in, in recent time. Mm-hmm.
1: He went on to say, though, uh, that uh, for a party that built its entire existence on honouring a campaign of violence, now it attacks and sues anyone who claims that they, Sinn Féin, supported particular actions within that campaign, as in, um, mind you, Art, he did say broadcasters have editorial independence over what they cover and what they broadcast, and they said um, that many competing stories and items on any day means it's not unusual for a pre-recorded interview not to be broadcast. Do you accept that?
8: No, not for a moment. I
1: mean, they went through a huge amount
8: of trouble to do this programme. It's a program which is very, very topical in, in on a, on the subject, Mary lou which is very, very topical indeed. There's been no other station as reacting that way. no, I think they were spooked by it. they were terrified of of running it and so they decided in the end, don't no conditions are good enough world and and they just took it off the air. now they the, the reason they gave quite honestly was totally inadequate. as a kind of general basis editorial which we, we have an editorial choice, of course they of course they have that, but they gave no. I, no breach of their editorial guidelines in, at in, all. No example of it, or anything yeah, like
1: that. I suppose, indeed, if it was, if it was a busy broadcast day, why wouldn't they have broadcast it on another day?
8: Yeah, they could easily do. It. They could still do it. You yeah. know, it's just, it's just they thought that was the easy way out, and they are, they are, I think, you know, very wary of the fact that uh, people who have, who have, uh, who have bricks out against them have a certain hold of them. They may take out another writ. but you know, this thing was legal to death the book has been legal. It was legal when it was run in the Sunday Independent. It was legal uh, by RT as well. So you do have to ask the question were they, they just just spooked by it? And that is alarming. That's yeah. worrying. If, 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 if a political party, and I'm not just talking about Trinitania, but if any political party can influence editorial um, editorial decisions by issuing writs uh, at will. Then we're in the, we're living in a in a kind of dangerous world where now, where freedom of speech is yeah, is, yeah.
1: is impaired. Uh, just a couple of points on that. Um, they may have been afraid it was a hatchet job, and I think that one mm-hmm. or two within RT said it didn't run because it was boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. well, I mean, I'll
8: an answer those points. It's surely boring, right? And I can assure you that. And they didn't think it was boring; they thought it was terrifying. Right. They, if the interview itself, they're right about one thing. The interview itself, they sanitized uh, by by saying this is too exciting. we going to have to legally, we're going to have to legally cut it down and cut out the. Got out a lot of very interesting bits. They sanitized it. If it was boring, it's because they made it boring. But Claire Byrne is a very good interviewer. She doesn't allow boring programs. She, ask, she doesn't ask boring questions. She maybe have uh, been under s- certain constraints, but it certainly wasn't boring. I can assure you of that. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. That was that was nonsense. What, what, that was that was that was, by the way, sorry, sorry. That was RTE sources. That was not attributable to anybody in particular. It was a kind of vague overall anonymous person. I wouldn't take any of that one at
1: all. Right. Um, just on that point, though, I couldn't help but thinking when all of this controversy was rolling out, uh, Salmon Rushdie's yeah. book, uh, The Satanic Verses, when yeah. nobody, when it was banned and nobody could get it or it wasn't talked about in media, everyone rushed out to buy it. This could be the yeah. best thing that ever happened to your book, couldn't it, with regards to yeah. public interest? Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't by design, you know, that this happened. But Oh, but, I, I yeah. know, but I'm just
8: saying as a consequence of what happened it could of course it could because, because what it's done is it's is made people think rightly that there's, there's there's stuff in there that never has been seen before or never been read before and there's certainly that there's all sorts of, of stuff which he doesn't want to see and there's all, all sorts of stuff that they do want to see but the real message is Sinn Féin likes controlling their own message you can't blame it all political parties do that as well and they would rather see um, they would rather see they wrote this biography of Mary Lou rather than me but it's not really critical in some parts but in other parts it's extremely complimentary and i talk about i talk about at length there's a full chapter on her arrival in the doyle and and the work i did with her as a pac i i like mary lou i get on very well with her but i have to be critical of course in her biography but it's certainly not a easy job she was an absolute genius when she came to the doyle and asking questions at that committee she was she was way ahead of all of the rest of us and and you have to acknowledge that and you have to acknowledge all sorts of other positive aspects of personality okay. but that doesn't mean you don't you don't tackle the the, the difficult bits as well
1: and, and, and you did and i know you went into one area that Archie said you wouldn't be allowed to go into and uh, it's in yeah. the book as to where she and her husband got the money to buy their house yeah mm. i don't know that you overstepped the mark and even thinking whose business is it of ours as to where money came from to buy a family home it could have come from anywhere it could have been a will it could have been a legacy that could wh- why why was that even on the table in the first place it seemed awfully personal well, it, it politicians in Ireland
8: are required to return every year a uh, a list of interests, a financial interests, as I'm sure you know, shares, stocks and shares, houses, all sorts of assets. There, uh, Mary actually happened not to be in the Doyle or in the European Parliament at the time that the house was bought, so she wasn't subject to that. Cash doesn't come into those interests at all. But you know, in Ireland we've had a, a pretty unfortunate run of of problems with politicians who've owned houses, I think Charlie Hoy in particular, and others like that. And I'm not suggesting for the moment, and nor should I be, that Mary Lou, the money that Mary Lou got or her husband got the two of them got together to buy this house was in any way untoward but what I'm saying is it is a sensational amount of money they spent on that house it was turned from a very drab bungler you'll see that the pictures are in the book into what, what, what I describe as a mansion yeah but they're state.
1: entitled to rear their family in the best surroundings they can and put a roof over their head as best they can and to scrimp and save and, and and struggle to do that in fairness I mean yes of course they are and good luck to them if they can do it but I think as public figures
8: it would be far better. And this question would be asked and asked and asked again. If such a large amount of money, if there was an explanation for it, if, if they came out and just said, look, we did get a legacy. We got a half million legacy or we got 300, 400,000 legacy and we borrowed the rest. That's fine. Yeah. But at the moment, it's, it's a question which has never been answered. And, you know, the, at the time, 2011 and in 2016, there were questions asked about it in articles but very short term saying where did the money come from they were never answered and i'm asking i'm asking it again because if mary lou becomes tissue which is very very likely she's going to be asked this question again and again and the best thing would be just clear the boards and say no problem here i got this money from such and such and such, and such a place because there's no visible means of support and it would just reassure the public if she did that i'm not suggesting did anything wrong? No, I'm no, just not be
1: in Matthew, our because interest. because you can't you can't make claims without proof. I mean, it's it's no. extraordinary because the opener in the book talks about not all of the people who would talk to you, but all of the people who would not talk to you. Uh, many of yeah. them, of course, sitting Sinn Fein TDs, councillors, people north and south of the border. Uh, one or two did. I know Arlene Foster did, and one or two like that. But uh-huh. um, many people within the echelons of the former IRA. Nobody. Why? Do, why do you think that the shutters came down? Uh, upon well, you. Is that up to and including Mary Lou? Oh yes,
8: I think that, see, I, I did talk to Mary Lou in the book and I did I did talk to her and, and the topic of that conversation which was a difficult one, is in the book but basically she said she'd, she'd give me a week and then she'd come back and she came back But and that's not no.
1: talking to you, that's saying she's not going to talk to you.
8: Correct, but I met her and formally and we talked about it, so we sat down and talked about it. Um, and then she came back a week later and said, I'm not going to stand in your way, but I'm not going to help you because I, I wanted to help in introduction to her family. I didn't want it to be an authorized biography. I didn't want very much help because I wanted to be independent. Then she came back. She said, I'm not going to help you with it at all. So I had to start. And then I, then I start ask, asking, um, members of Sinn Féin, all of whom I know, guys, were virtually DDs. Uh, would they do it? And f- first of all, they all said yes. Then they checked in with their press office and then they all said, no but and so did and i talked to a lot of the i tried to get in touch with a lot of the hard men in the north as they're called i got in touch with a lot of them first of all some of them said yes then they said no they came back and said no they referred to the press office as far as i can see that's okay but there was a kind of there was a kind of a murder very 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 disciplined a murder but as you know Neil and i know that doesn't last for a year i got to talk to lots of members of Sinn fein off the record afterwards i got to talk to at at least one member of the professional IRA council uh, former member of the Provisional IRA Council who told me what he thought, felt about Mary Lou. It it didn't really matter all that much in the end because people do actually. Okay, you
1: know, do yeah. Come okay. We invite, okay, you didn't get to talk to Mary Lou, you didn't get to talk to Jerry Adams, you didn't get to talk no. to Pierce Doherty. No. You, re- you refer on a number of occasions as as to, you know, in the book, who controls Sinn Féin? If <clears> it's not the, okay, let me see if I can paraphrase this. If it's not the TDs and it's not the leader of the party, like, do you believe that there's kind of like a higher level uh, controlling like you refer in the book to the long arm of the IRA um, who in the past behaved. And you say that Sinn Féin in the past behaved like a cult with blind allegiance. Do you think there's a level above um, Sinn Féin's hierarchy in Dáil Aaron and Leinster House? Do you think there's a puppet master?
8: I I don't think it's quite as, quite as blatant as that. But I do think that, you know, people, I asked the question. Of, as you see, as you saw, of Arlene Foster and of Colin Eastwood and of, uh, and of others like Jeffrey Donaldson, uh, and the SDLP and all of them to one, to some extent would reply that they thought that there was an army council, maybe by another name now, but those people who were in the army council still had a large influence. It might have been, it's obviously a reduced level because they're, there's no, there's no suggestion of arms being used ever again by anybody in Sinn Fein, but they do appear to have a, a large amount of power. And you know, I went to the, I went to Sinn Fein Ardesh, and I tell this in the book uh, last October, uh, and it was quite apparent that members of the old Army Council who had been there, who were members of Sinn Fein, were there. They were, and they were not very active politically when they were there. But they were kind of holding court at various tables and people came and talked to them.
1: So But aren't they entitled to be there, though, if they were all in for course, the Good Friday Agreement?
8: Absolutely. Of course they're entitled to be there. There's absolutely no question of it. But what I'm saying is they still have an influence and it's probably a coherent influence. You know, they're, they're mostly from over the over the, the other side of the border and they probably still have, have an influence indicated by, I think, uh, you know, this the f- funeral of Bobby story. When you saw what was actually a military funeral uh, a paramilitary funeral in 2020 and that was directed and the last lift of his coffin was held was was carried by members of the old IRA army council so it's not it's not completely gone away I'm not saying that they're going to take up arms again I'm saying that those people still have Influence on the activities of Sinn Féin.
1: Okay, and you mentioned funerals like Bobby Story's funeral that Mary Lou was at, Joe Cahill's funeral that she was also, I believe, at, and 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 some are, you know, some others were were critical of that at the time. You kind of paint you paint a critical picture of her for going to that, but don't don't you accept that if she's going to bring both sides of the border together, and and one of her her three pillars is. Lead the biggest party, become the first female Taoiseach and unite Ireland, that she needs to reach across to all sides.
8: And that's what she's been doing. Uh, and it's been a very, very, uh, difficult, uh, tightrope for her to walk. Uh, and she's done it very, very successfully. What it does raise is the question, I suppose, of what does she believe in? Does she believe that the armed struggle, as they call it, was right or was wrong?
1: That in an article in the IrishNews.com, Mary Lou McDonald said that the IRA's campaign was justified and there's every chance she would have taken up arms during the troubles herself. She said that uh, she would defend her attendance at events commemorating those involved in IRA violence. And she said, I wish it hadn't happened, but she said it was a justified campaign. She said that to the Sunday Independent.
8: Yeah, you see, that's, that's the dilemma she gets herself in from time to time. She has to kind of say that to keep, to keep the troops happy. The question is, does she actually believe it or not? But well, she uh, went
1: on to say that if she had been old enough to join the IRA, she thinks yeah. that there was every chance that she would, that there would have been every possibility that she would.
8: But Neil, she was old enough to join the IRA. She could have, she was born in, she, she was born in 1969. She was 18. At the time of Ennis Gillen, when the IRA carried out those awful atrocities, yeah. she could have, she could, they, remember the, 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 the final Good Friday Agreement wasn't until 1998 and the final ceasefire 1996. So she could, she could have, have, she could have served, she could easily have served in the IRA. But in the book, uh, you, you
1: say that you discovered that her political Republican motivation came from the hunger strikers, but you call that a yarn. Yeah. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. I find it very, I find it questionable.
8: I, I think she, she has made a very good case for having a Republican, having Republican convictions overall. Because she's, she makes, she, she has a background from time to time, which is Tipperary, and it's kind of Republican nationalist Tipperary. Her father was of fall and her mother was nationalist, as, uh, as well from a nationalist family. So she has the background. But then she comes, then she comes out with, and she says this to him public, it's, it's, it's for the kind of, it's for the, it's, it's for the loyalists. She says, my, my Damascus moment, she says, was when I was 12 when Bobby Sands died. Now that's quite possible for a lot of people. And a lot of people were really moved and rightly moved by the appalling things that happened to those strike, hunger strikers. But Mary Lou, having had this Damascus moment at the age of 12, never showed any signs for Republican. Until she was about twenty eight and she had all these had massive opportunities to do this. She was at school, she was a great debater at school.
1: Yeah, but she wasn't a, but, she wasn't a debater but why at school. Are you she cri- went to yeah, why are you critical of that? She went on to but, further education, well, to have a family, to marry, to have children, become an MEP. Like what what what's wrong with coming late to the party and making I mean, in fairness, she's making a huge difference now. Look at her rapid Sinn Fein rise in popularity. All people on the ground care about is their own lives, their own Families, a whole new voting generation know nothing about the troubles, and they care even less. They care about somebody making change in their lives. So Mary Lou comes late to the party. What's wrong with that? There's absolutely nothing wrong with coming late to
8: the party. But I find it difficult. In fact, it's 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 probably sometimes a benefit. But I find it difficult to match that with the fact that she had a Damascus moment, which means a conviction and a serious conviction to a to a new to new doctrine, a flash of light, uh, and then. For 16 years, it was absolutely and totally and utterly dormant because she had the opportunity, not just at school, but when she was at, at, at Trinity College, Dublin, there's every Republican club available to you. There's has been a fall available to you. There's all sorts of politics available to you. And she wasn't involved in politics at all at that period of time, which is time? But which she had was, to be serious about a
1: change. She ran in four general elections. She only won one of them, I believe. She she lost three. Uh, she got she kept getting back up again, time after time. I mean, I'm I'm only I'm only yeah. trying to engage and balance here because she's not here to defend. Her know, side, right. But she she never gave up. She dusted herself down and she ran again.
8: Absolutely, she was tremendous. I mean, you're picking up all the critical stuff, which is fine. But but, but she was she was she had a very checkered. Career, as you said, she lost the general election in 2002. She lost one in 1998. She lost, she lost a European election in yeah. 2009. She, and she kept coming back. Now, the reason for that was because the party hierarchy believed in her. They saw in her somebody who was going to lead the party to something completely new, which she has done by appealing to the to the masses in the in yeah. the south of Ireland yeah. rather than the north of Ireland, by spreading the Sinn Fein message and balancing it so cleverly and so effectively. And she did that and she's she's doing that and she's a She's a magnificent political operator, and she does it very, very well. And look okay. at the results.
1: Okay. Well, I don't mean to be picking up on the the, the negatives. Let, let's address one or yeah. two of the positives before we go. Yeah. I mean, it, it, she is a great communicator, right? You're saying that she's she's very charismatic. She's yeah. she's hardworking. She works the media well. She works the public well. Are they the positives you're talking about?
8: Yeah, they're the positive. I mean, the, the, the real positive is her Doyle performance, her performance in the PSC, where she was she was a magnificent force for good in the PSC public accounts committee. She brought in. We brought in the. Where I worked with her, and I looked over her children and her notes, which were absolutely fantastic. Uh, but she brought in the garden commissioner, and she and she and she tore him apart at the time of the whistleblowers. She championed the whistleblowers, and what was really impressive about her was she was so well briefed, and something which you wouldn't have expected. And critics say isn't there, but it is. She was very good on detail yeah. when she asked questions. Yeah, yeah. She was absolutely superb at that. She's a great parliamentarian. And she still she still is that. So I think all those things have to be have to be have to be recognised. But it's got to be a balanced book, you know. I, I mean, you said she's charismatic. Yeah, I mean, I know her. I like her. I, I actually have always liked and always got on with her very, very well, but it doesn't mean that I, I can't Take an independent stance on
1: this. So oh, it's, absolutely! It's no, I, mean, I, I get where the book is coming from. You have to, otherwise, yep. it wouldn't be the good read that it is. Just, just mm. finally, should we? I mean, inevitably, I think you'd agree that she probably will be. Incidentally, I also read that in the book that at one stage, me, Martin in twenty twenty, really wanted to go into coalition with Sinn Fein and was talked mm. out of it by senior people within Fine I didn't. I got forgotten about that. Um, but, yeah, that's that's yeah. right. I mean, his reaction immediately after the election. If you remember, it was on television.
8: It was on RT, was to uh, to say, "Oh look, the people have spoken," and he was hinting that he he would have to he might have to go into into government with Sinn Fein, but he was pulled back the next day. That was reported in I think it was the Irish Independent okay. the next day as yeah. well. Oh, easy but, he, before, yeah. but it only lasted. You're right; you would forget it, it was only 24 hour wonder.
1: But should we be worried about Sinn Fein and government? Should be we wor- be worried if they're there all on their own, for instance?
8: I think that's probably unlikely. I think it's it's it's, it's not going to happen because. That those days are probably over. I don't think we should be worried in the sense that we feel that there's a military arm backing them, if that's what you mean by that. Mm. Um, no, I think those days are completely uh, completely over. We we may see that there's a lot of influence from people in Northern Ireland uh, on, on Sinn Féin in government, and that's, you know, people would have different, different
1: but, views but you, of that. But, 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 but you say in the book that the Sinn Féin members in the south and Sinn Féin members in the north don't mix.
8: They don't mix at all well. That socially. That's that's a reference. Yeah, and that's quite great. But politically, politically they cooperate very very strongly. But socially, I, it was very striking at the Ardesh, which I was at, uh, where where we see that the northern people sat on kind of one side of the uh, this very large hall where people had coffees and and buns all day. The northern people sat on one side and only, mi- not only mixed with each other, but nearly all mixed with each other and the southern TDs sat on the other side.
1: And, and What and impression did you get? Are they suspicious of each other or they just don't know each other or are they just shy?
8: I think they don't know each other at all well and I also think they are very interested in very different things. Um, you know, that, Nor- Northern Ireland is probably coming over to the to be interested in bread, bread and butter issues and the border isn't going to become it is, it's becoming a little bit of a lesser issue in all as you can see now but in, in the south you'd see Sinn Féin and their members and their TDs they're really downplaying the border all the time. The border, the border is not something which is top of their agenda. Mm. They play the housing card, they play the health card they play the education card and they don't really play the border card very often
1: but up, up, up in Northern Ireland the border card is still much much more important. Okay and finally as a former politician TD and minister yourself would you accept that it really is their time to have the ball to see what they can do with it?
8: I think it's very likely to. It's very likely to happen. I mean, it would be very, very foolish person to say that they can't get. No,
1: but I'm not party. asking. You, I mean, we, we believe that it's mm-hmm. likely to happen. But do you think that it is their time? That it is the right democratic thing to happen?
8: Oh God! I mean, I think we certainly could accept it if it happens and just get on with it and and not moan about them being, you know, not moan about their history anymore. Give, give them that opportunity, and I think young people. Who you know? Young people, children, my children, grandchildren. They don't. They don't remember those those times.
6: They they, they, they think
8: you know we got two heads when we talk about the the awful times when people were murdered and killed etc they regard that as history like like we would regard the second world war mm. so i think you know we we're going to have to accept that these people have got new policies fresh policies whether we like them or not if if there's a democratic decision to put them in there that's it we're going to we're going to have to have to deal with them and we shouldn't be frightened of that okay. we shouldn't be frightened of that at all
1: mary lou mcdonald a republican riddle is out now shane thank you so much for taking the call i know you're doing some you book signings much, in cork today i'll give out the details in a moment have a good day thanks a million And those book signings are 11 o'clock this morning at Dubray on Patrick Street. Midday, Eason's on Patrick Street. One o'clock, Waterstones and Patrick Street. Half past two, Eason's and Mahan Point Shopping Centre. And the final book signing will be at half past three in the book station in Douglas Village. I have copies of Mary Lou MacDonald, a Republican riddle to give away right now. Three copies will take callers 10, 11 and 12. You can pick up the phone for a copy of the book on 818 104 106 happy to talk to shane ross um because i was bothered actually to be quite honest with the national broadcaster didn't proceed with it and i thought that i think that's not good for broadcasting i think that's not good for media and i think that's not good for democracy so uh, you wish to win a copy pick up the phone now 0818 106 callers 10 11 and 12 three copies to go
5: Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's
1: Red FM. Okay, more landlords in touch uh, following this morning's program. As usual, it's screw the landlord. That's the reason why there are only 47 houses to rent in Cork, as you stated this morning. I've been a landlord, and trust me, I'm leaving the market. There's no possible way that I can afford the tax bill at the end of the year. 50% is what they want, but I've done nothing but put money into the place. Bathroom leak cost €2,000, Placed a boiler, cost 3,000 euro. Electrician for a few jobs cost me 1,000 euro. And probably another 2,000 euro on general stuff whilst renting. And that was in the space of six months. So if you add that up, that's two and three is five and one is six and two is seven. Seven grand in six month, months. But I can only claim 13% of each year, not the whole amount. 13% ...of the six or seven grand. I rented my house, but I needed to rent a property also, as I needed a bigger property for my family. Uh, And what am I getting in rent? I'm paying back for the property my family lives in, so I have no profit off whatever. But anyway, I'm expected to pay a five grand tax bill. Also, don't be under any illusion that the council are buying houses. I've offered them mine, and they've refused, even though it was market price and immaculate. Can't come on airs. I'm at work, but perhaps they should bring in a law that if a landlord rents to a local council, they pay no tax uh, once the rent is market value. Um, Then that would mean that landlords would only rent to councils and they would never rent to people in the private sector looking to rent a house. And just back to the text, by the way, I have a friend who rented his house to council on the HAP system and he's now selling the house as he's in the middle of a divorce. He gave the tenant six months notice to leave, Which was more than needed and informed the council and the PRTB now the tenants are refusing to leave because they can't get a property to rent they're just digging in HAP won't get involved the PRTB don't care That's why landlords are leaving, Neil. And would you blame them? Keep those texts coming. Text 0868 104 106. Back after 11.
0: I'm Lana
7: O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie.
5: This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Gorg's Red FM. Quick
1: shout out. Happy birthday to Margaret Kelleher at Glen Heights Road who's 70 today. Love from your son John and your grandchildren Jack and Jean. They're down in Bacchus March. March, Marsha should say in Victoria, Australia. And your son John says that he's looking forward to coming home in four weeks time because he hasn't been home since before COVID. So it'll be great to see him. But happy birthday, Margaret. Have a great day today. Today.
5: 104
1: to 106, Red FM. This
5: is the Neil
1: friendville Show. Sitting here on the couch at my wit's end in the dark, and I don't know where to turn to to get any help or answers that I'm looking for. I'm putting on a brave face in front of my wife and kids, but inside I am bricking it. Basically, we're renting a place which is not ideal for us as a family now. It did at the start when it was just the two of us starting out, but it's a place we call home for now. We planned to build our dream home and were turned down in the planning process. We turned to our local TDs and councillors from all parties. There was zero help. But that's another story, I suppose. As of now, we've been served with an eviction notice and have been to- have been onto Threshold, who in fairness were good to respond back. We showed Threshold the re-eviction letter. They said it was invalid and they sent a letter to the landlord stating that and to send a valid letter to us instead. All I got in return from the landlord, landlord in his words were that he does not recognize threshold. So for the past week or so, I have been trying to get to co- in contact with the RTB, ringing multiple times to no joy. All I'm getting at the end of the phone is, we're experiencing high volumes, please hold. I sent messages stating my case and let my phone number, hoping they'd ring back at some stage, any stage, but no joy. We've been looking for another house for sure, an apartment to rent, no avail. They are either not there or out of our price range. I don't want to give too much information here for fear people will know who I am and my family, but basically I'm hoping that someone could get in contact with the RTB on our behalf and others. Get them to answer their phone or maybe even if you could get them to contact me to find out where we stand. I can't come on the show as I'm working Thanks to your team for taking the time to read this out. Any help would be very much appreciated. Uh, Sitting on the couch, wits end, in the dark, nowhere to turn, putting on a brave face in front of the wife and children, but with an eviction notice ticking. Uh, One of the issues there really is come November 1st, when this moratorium and pause on evictions comes into place, will his eviction notice also pause until March? My understanding of it is that it would. Um, and until I can get further clarification on the matter, I can't say with any 100% accuracy, but I believe it would. One of the newspapers this morning suggested that it would. Uh, and there's lots of other ones then on housing and issues relating to housing. What a lovely lady you had on air earlier on. That would have been Carrie. She sounds like a great mum, doing her best for her poor son. My heart is breaking when she was talking. Who is responding or responsible for all these families, I should say, left to fend for themselves in hotel bedrooms? Our government should hang their heads in shame. No one is ever accountable in this country. It's a mess from health care to education and housing. What is the government doing? We've gone very quiet as a nation, says Linda. I- incidentally, um, I was saying that to Shane Ross this morning. Isn't it time now that someone else got a chance? That we moved away from the Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael um, circus that we've had for 100 years. Um, just suggesting maybe... Um, somebody who's saying they could do it better should be given a shot at it I have to say that the response of course I suppose to any minister or any former minister uh, who was in government during the boom and the burst and the boom and the burst the response this morning is let me just put it like this uh, towards, say, Shane Ross as a politician anyway. Not very complimentary. Um, I counted 33 houses in the north side boarded up with steel shutters a week ago. Um, he expects the state to pay for his mother's nursing care and pay rent to him for her house. The expectations of some of the callers you put on air. Uh, I don't understand why you're being so hurtful in that regard. It is, it is perfectly normal for somebody to enter into a fair deal arrangement with the state, when somebody needs to go into nursing home care, have you any idea how much nursing home care can cost a week? You could be talking about fifteen hundred to two grand a week in some cases. It's a lot of money. So this is an arrangement that's made, and I think it's a damn good one. Uh, one hundred and eight to one hundred and twelve Baker's Road, empty, two years. There's a fifty thousand unoccupied grant to do it up and rent it out. The housing minister said it on the air last night. You can get a 50 grand unoccupied grant to do up an unoccupied house and to rent it out. So why aren't people clamouring to get this work done? From my reading of the eviction ban, Neil, the minister said it won't apply to evictions already in process, says Frank. Yeah, I mean, they just announced it, but it's announced with holes in
5: it that need clarifying and filling in.
1: Back after the break.
5: Get it off your chest. Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818 104 Red FM.
1: And good morning.
0: Good morning, Neil. You
1: needs. know, it takes an awful lot of courage for somebody like your good self to spill your life out in the situation you find yourself out in, find yourself in on social media. But that's just what you did, isn't it? As a cry for it help. Is, yeah. As a cry for help because year. you feel as if you failed as a mother. Why?
0: I just feel... I feel as a mother, as I have no home for my children and due to their needs, I just can't prioritise their needs at the moment. And I just feel like I've let them down.
1: Yeah, I know. You're, you're raising them single handedly, as the fella says, um, but without a roof of, over your head, because l- like so many people, it's impossible to find somewhere to live. So when you had to leave where you were, did you go back to your folks three bedroom house?
0: I did, yeah. I went back to my folks here, yeah. In, I stayed. With, I'm staying with them then since January okay. of this year.
1: So since January, there's you and your six children.
0: Yes, me, and my six children, with your and mother my two brothers.
1: and your father and your two brothers. I have, yeah. Ten of you.
0: Yeah. So Eleven of us.
1: <laughs> oh, and you as well. Sorry.
0: Yeah. I forgot
1: yeah. about Mammy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Where, where, no, where, where are you all sleeping?
0: I'm sleeping in their sitting room, their front room. Neil. I have a mattress I put down by night for the two oldest girls. The two middle girls. Then I pull out the two seashore into a bed kind of thing. And I'm sleeping on the couch with my five-year-old and my 2 year olds in a travel cot to the side.
1: Oh my God almighty I get a pain in the head even listening to that arrangement <laughs> I
0: that's, know
1: and that's the way it's been for over 10 months
0: yeah coming on 10 months now yeah
1: so it's it must be a small enough three bedroom with one, toi- just one just toilet one toilet bathroom smart. yeah so yeah. like what, yeah. Are, what are the what are the bathing and bathroom facilities like
0: we just have one shower and one toilet to accommodate the level of us
1: my God that must be a problem Oh my god! Oh, it is.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And the kitchen and and meal times. I mean, you have you have six They're children. They, they take a lot of feeding.
0: They do. Yeah, it's hectic now. Really, and it's affecting everybody at the home. You know.
1: In what way? Because I know the children have medical needs on top of everything else.
0: Yeah, yeah. My my seven year old, she has chronic bowel and bladder issues since sport. and she yeah. requires bowel yeah. washouts on a mid, on a daily basis
1: do you do those or I does you have to go to hospital for those
0: no I do them either.
1: God almighty yeah and also f- trips constantly to Temple Street is it
0: all the time yeah And okay. we were down to every three months but they're reducing it again now because she needs further assistance with her bladder but that's due to not having the proper facilities for her really do you know? I know like there's no room for she's at an age where she's getting embarrassed by her condition now and she won't do them some days for me because there's so many around her you know I've no privacy really for I her know,
1: what privacy to accommodate it no you wouldn't in circumstances like yeah. that on top of that then there are other children with issues the misfortunes aren't there
0: yeah, I have a 12-year-old who's on the spectrum as well, Neil, and she's struggling big time. She's think sensory issues as well, and it's just very hard for her. She's overwhelmed constant, you know, and getting meltdowns all the time now because she's no privacy and nowhere to hide or get time to herself to take a deep breath. That's it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's impacting on all of you. I believe that it's impacting on another one of your girls as well. And My she, oldest girl
0: has been... She has, she's been diagnosed with depression, but I suppose she's at an age where she needs privacy as well, you know. She's 14 now and she's at an age where she needs her own space and stuff. So she's awaiting counselling now, Neil, as well for that. You
1: see, on the basis of everything you're saying there and the circumstances that you're in, I would have thought that you would have been some kind of a priority, um, you know, yeah. w- with your local council. Have you investigated every avenue there?
0: I have exhausted all my options, Neil. Um, They have told me that the four bedrooms are very scarce to come by, you know?
1: But sure, like you take take the emergency
0: accommodation, they refuse me it due to having six children, one adult per room. But I. That's. I have six children I have nowhere to put them like you know wait a second
1: they refused you because you have six children they didn't surely they didn't say we're refusing you emergency accommodation because you have too many children
0: they did yeah there's nowhere to facilitate me with six children
1: of course there is there's plenty places they find it for others well they don't find it for me so they've said no because you have too many yeah but that's insane
0: I know I know and I felt like going public then with my, I'm a very private person Neil and I had no other option but to go public because I just feel like I'm not getting heard, I'm after exhausting all my options. Temple Street have wrote to them on a regular basis stating my daughter's needs, you know, schools have wrote to them um, supporting me like here. Where I'm living and they're just turning blind eyes like they're just saying they have four, house, four bedroom houses are scarce to come by and keep looking for rented accommodation. But we're in a housing crisis and rented accommodation is very hard to come by as well.
1: They know. And would you be unhappy then as well?
0: I am unhappy. HAP,
1: yeah. And, and they also know whether they will admit it or not that an awful lot of landlords wouldn't touch HAP with the barge pole.
0: Yeah, and they wouldn't it, touch yes. a,
1: They wouldn't touch a mother on her own with six children either. Six children so, either. So you're no, more vulnerable no. than an awful lot of people, and they should know all of that.
0: That's it Neil. Yeah, and, and do, my mum has a, suffered a brain injury four years. Sorry, ago. I missed
1: that. Who who did?
0: Sorry, my mum. She suffered a brain injury. She's living with a traumatic brain injury the past four years, and it's very overwhelming for her, and it's actually affecting her greatly. Like you know,
1: how's she? How's your mum and dad coping with all of this?
0: They're not, I suppose they're not. They just wouldn't see me on the streets and that's the truth about it, Neil, you know. I'm lucky to have them because most don't have the parents that I have. Do you know what I'm saying? Their mm. their own mental health is suffering. Their own marriage, I suppose, is stressful, pulling strings on their own marriage due to my issues.
1: Ah, yeah, I cannot imagine. I mean, it's lovely. I'd imagine they would say it's... Lovely to see their grandchildren, but it's also lovely to see it's them go. to see
0: them go. That's I it, Jack. Yeah. I know.
1: I know. Yeah, yeah. So there wouldn't be a night goes by when you don't cry yourself to sleep, and maybe other, the, no. other ch- and the children too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I there's not a night go by that I don't feel like I failed my children as a mother. That's the truth. I cry myself to sleep most nights, and my children go to school most mornings crying. My youngest children have been saying to me like, "How are they think they're going to come down the chimney when we're sleeping in the fishing room?" You know, we have nowhere else to go. This is the only option I have right now, and I'm trying to explain it to them, but I, I'm just lost. I'm at, at this is my last straw. Now this is my last hope.
1: I know. Poor old kids yeah. crying because they're wondering how Santy can come down the chimney when you're all in the room. Is- what do you yeah. s- what do you say to them? Of course, Santi comes I'm- down the chimney magically, and you won't even know that he's yeah. in the room. Yeah, yeah. but they yeah. won't. Yeah, you know they won't see that. Yeah. And, no. and of course, Christmas is a hu- is a huge worry because you'd love to have your own place. God only knows what Christmas will be like.
0: Oh, I'm dreading it. I wake up every morning dreading it. I'm speaking to people saying they're getting ready for Christmas. I can't even think about things like that right now because I'm so stressed from this, you know.
1: Are you on a housing list or anything?
0: I'm on the housing list, Cork County Council with fifteen years.:
1: One, five, fifteen.
0: yeah
1: and, and did yeah. you ever did you ever get an offer?
0: Never had an offer.:
1: In fifteen years.
0: In 15 years. And
1: 15 years later, you're telling me that they actually said to you because you have six children, you have too many, they can't put you in emergency accommodation. But they can find emergency accommodation for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other people.
0: That's it, yeah.
1: How does that make you feel?
0: That... like, I know other people are in dire straits, Neil, and I know they're suffering as well. And people have come from war. I know, understand that. But I'm fighting war on a daily basis myself. And my own war is like, and they're just not helping me at all. Do you know?
1: Have you said to the at any stage that you take a three-bedroom house? It doesn't have to be a i
0: I've, I've said I take a three-bedroom house in a heartbeat. But due to health and safety, they won't put me into a three-bedroom with six children.
1: Oh, for God's sake, years ago, people rared even more more yeah. children than that in less bedroom space. Yeah. You break with yeah. that health yeah. And safety Yeah, I wouldn't care
0: crazy. just as long as there was a roof over my children's heads, Neil. That's all I'm looking for.
1: So have they closed the book on you or what?
0: Well, they're just completely torn. They're not, you know, I'm at a standstill with them. There's no one answering me, no one answering my emails, nothing. When I'm going up there, they're just saying there's no one here to speak to... They're doing nothing for me.
1: Yeah. You know, the fact that you're in your mum and dad's house, I suppose they might see that as being you're technically not homeless. Do you get me?
0: That's it. Yeah. yeah. But, your,
1: but your but your children have medical conditions, not to mention your mum, and you certainly um, must yeah. be suffering psychologically and emotionally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Does I've been going to counselling now once a week with the last few weeks, Neil, for my own mental health because I needed to. My mental health has gone. Very bad, like from us. You know,
1: I can't. Be, I can't believe that they couldn't prioritize a case like yours. I really can't. You know, considering I, your fifteen years on a housing list. Yeah. Um, for everybody's sake, not just yours and the children, but your 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 mother, your father. There are two other children yeah. as well. Your uh, guess, brothers, it, and sisters. Yeah, two
0: yours. teenage boys, and they're struggling as well. Like they need their home back and their privacy back. You know.
1: So what do you hope to happen? Do you, I mean, do you hope that somebody might have something that you might be able to afford, is it?
0: Anything. I'll take anything. I'm hoping someone might reach out to me that they have rented accommodation or the council might house me or give me emergency accommodation to somewhere where we can lie down. But accommodation, emergency
1: accommodation could be uh, hotel bedrooms, could it? Yeah. Would that be better?
0: Yeah. Well, I suppose it would be better than what I'm doing because they're sleeping on the floors and the couches. They might might have a bed to sleep in by night, do you know?
1: Yeah, they must be very out of sorts like that. That's not really living in family life, sure, is No, it isn't.
0: No, it's not. No, No. that's why I feel like I'm just existing now, not living. Do you you know what I'm saying? I
1: know, I know. Would would it be okay if we contacted the County Council to see what rationale they used to say that they won't help you? Yeah. You, I mean, they, they. They. I don't know what they'll say if I ask them the question. What do you mean? She has too many kids. I mean, that yeah. that makes it more desperate, you know, not less.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's no problem.
1: And you never know who might be listening. That might be able to come to your aid if they might have something that might suit. You know.
0: Right. Yeah. That'll be great.
1: Okay. Okay. Look after yourself for now, yeah. Anne. Thanks for taking the call.
0: Thanks very much, Neil. Thank you. Bye.
1: You're welcome. I you know that uh, I was talking earlier on this morning about the report from the Simon community. We're looking at the amounts of HAP properties that are available across the country. It's just awful. It really and truly is. It's a disaster, the few properties that are available. Like a lone parent with children, 13 properties available, six of them in Dublin, the rest of them spread around the country. This would be somebody on rent allowance now or HAP. You're looking at a uh, one parent with two children, 24 properties available, 24 of them. Um, and that that actually is a figure that's including the 13 available to the lone parent. And what I'm going to do, over confu- overly confuse you, there's a huge drop. There's 192 HAP properties available right across the country. And an awful lot of those are in Dublin alone. So when you look at it in the other counties around the Ireland, there's only um, just pittance. And then at the same time, 7,500 adults accessed emergency accommodation in the last week of August alone. 7,500 people in the last week of August alone were in emergency accommodation. Nearly 5,000 of them were male and nearly 3,000 of them uh, were female. God only knows what happened to the children. There's a house lying idle in Ballyvalan for two years. It had a bit of smoke damage and one room was damaged in an upstairs fire. Now the fire brigade came and they soaked the house. They needed to. But instead of fixing the house, the council boarded it up, not to be touched again and still that way two years later. The house has now rotted For obvious reasons, it's a council property. Uh, We've had numerous families from the local traveller side come and investigate the house from the outside. Uh, Some even started to measure the drive to see how many trailers they can fit in. Their words kneel, not mine. They're telling neighbours the travellers have access to two separate CBL bidding sites. They can bid on a house like all the rest of us, but also have access to a site for just those from the travelling community, and that makes us so angry. I have no problem with travellers whatsoever, but they're so quick to play the discrimination card, yet the council clearly discriminate the settled community, as we don't have access to half the houses around. Uh, You should be highlighting these stories on air. And Thank you for that one. One or two other quick texts this side of uh, Midday. Um, Richie is saying... RTE just isn't brave enough to stand up to Sinn Féin and there's a good reason for it because one day Sinn Féin will be the nation's governing party. Um, let's look and they, I suppose they, they just want to stay on good terms with Sinn Féin because of that in spite of the fact that Mary Lou MacDonald is suing. Uh, let's look at it a different way. Um, you recently had to listen to Simon Coveney on your own programme telling you as an independent broadcaster how you should conduct your show. Are we really expected to believe that the state-funded RTE has autonomy when it comes to editorial decisions? I think not in the political world we live in, says Richie. And a final one, uh, and this is a worry when you think of what happened in uh, County Donegal. I was at the garage across from the Lee Fields in the seating area. You know the one. I do know the one, actually. I had a coffee there once some time back, a little seating area there. Sometimes I go there for a quick sandwich, tea or a coffee uh, to get out of the house. Good for you. Obviously, there's fumes around in petrol stations. It's part of what you accept when you're sitting in a petrol station. However, two women were sitting in the area smoking their fags next to, right beside, a no smoking sign. This is on the forecourt of a petrol station. I approached them and I was met with venom. I mentioned the incident in Donegal and was told, ah, that was a gas explosion, not petrol. I went into the shop, but it was just two young ones working there. I wasn't going to tell them to kick the smokers out, but I did want them to know how dangerous it is. Someday, a petrol station will go up in smoke and a big explosion if people don't cop on. Text 0868104106 back after the
5: break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818 104 106. Red FM's Shocktober. With
2: Wilton Shopping Center
5: got off to a great start yesterday. It certainly
1: did. Day one yesterday of Shocktober and we had our very first winner. You can't be giving away cash. The clue for the wealthy witch or well, the one that the wealthy witch gave us was take the time to hear them chime. That was the clue. And Burr worked out that this meant not Shandon, but a view of Shandon. In fact, Bell's Field from the Young Offenders fame and she claimed seven 100 euro from the wealthy witch's cauldron of cash yesterday. Oh,
7: well, I went to Tendon first and had okay. a look around there and then I just thought about taking the time that maybe we sitting down taking I'm kind of relaxing Do up in feels so I come up here then
2: uh, and, and did you meet anyone up there?
7: I did and she gave me an envelope with this number with double double toil and trouble fire burn and cauldron bubble
9: well <laughs> you found the wealthy witch Bernie you are our first winner on Shocktober and you've bagged your share of 10,000 euro we are giving you 700 euro in cash oh, Bernie oh. well done Oh, well, thank you thank you I'm <laughs>
1: That's it. There's a total of €10,000 to be won. So if you're listening to Red Breakfast this morning at 8.15, you'll know... When the chosen witching hour will be when you'll pick up your clue. Now, if you missed it at 8.15, all you got to do is to stay listening from now until 7 p.m. Uh, wait for that clue. That's exactly what Bird did yesterday. Got the clue, scooped 700 euro. Could be you today if you can work out the location and you can earn your share of the cash.
5: Good luck. Red FM's Shocktober
6: with Wilton Shopping Centre.
1: All right, he says to me, never mind going on about midair and you should stay away from reading out the weather forecast. You gave a forecast on Friday saying a good dry day with sunny spells. So I put on a gable end. What does that mean? Like plastered the side of the house, all freshly plastered and troweled down, nice and clean and lovely and and even. And then, just as I was finishing sponging it, a monsoon came and washed <laughs> washed it off the wall. So I blame you and I look forward to my free grub to make up for it. (laughs) Well, I'd say those in the trades are not happy with me, maybe. I'm not quite sure about that, how wrong I got the forecast on Friday, but you evidently did some work on the basis of what I told you. And live to regret it. Anyway, can I stay with the trades, if you don't mind, for a few minutes' time and, and go from masons or block lairs or plasterers to electricians? Happy to say I'm joined again with the regular contributor to this program, Ken O'Connell, the electrician. He gives some great tips on Instagram, lads. He might even be on TikTok now. He's so famous. Ken, good morning. Morning, Neil, how are you? I'm good, my man. Can you tell me, uh, because I've also heard people getting advice, to be running appliances at night and overnight. Is it, is it a cheaper rate of electricity at night?
9: Well, it can be, Neil, if you sign up to that tariff with whoever your supplier is. So let's say your your supplier is Electric Ireland. If you sign up to the tariff, um, you can get, it's called time of day tariff, and the electricity will be cheaper at night. The problem, Neil, is that none of these appliances should be run by night. Okay, by I'll get people.
1: to that, though. But how much cheaper? Yeah. How much
9: cheaper? It's not, not a whole pile cheaper. As far as I know, Neil, I don't know exactly okay. the kilowatt the, hour
1: but cost, but it's a bit cheaper, yeah. There's the same. And what, how do smart meters work, then? Because I know that they were going out fitting smart meters. If I even think I got one. I haven't no a clue what it's do, what it does.
9: Yeah, the smart meters. So they can be controlled remotely. Um, so it's all done automatically. Before, now, you used to have, to have the meter reader. You used to come out and read the meter um, if you wanted cheaper electricity by night, or say if you had electric storage heating in your house, you'd have to have a separate meter in your ESB meter cabinet, and it all be kind of done mechanically and electrically, and you know, all with sending sending power okay. to and so on and okay. so forth. But no, it's all done remotely. They're smart meters, you know, as the name suggests. Okay, so there
1: it's not smart technology for the homeowner, it's smart meters for the suppliers who can monitor your usage and stuff rather than exactly. calling it. That's all that is. Exactly. Nothing else. Exactly. exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And have you, and, and on to the topic. Have you actually gone out and seen the devastating consequences of a home that ran a tumble dryer overnight?
9: I have absolutely Neil. I, I, as I said during the video it, I'm 18 years in business and I don't know how many hoses I've rewired from washing machines dishwashers tumble dryers. they're the three main ones that are very susceptible to fire they're very dangerous Neil I had a customer there recently um, she went off up to bed she turned on her dishwasher went off up to bed got a smell of smoke she thought it was her daughter after burning toast downstairs realised it wasn't ran down and the dishwasher dishwasher had, had gone on fire why
1: basically. though why no. in the name of God would a dishwasher go on fire there's loads of different reasons, Neil,
9: moisture in the dishwashers. The moisture can get into the wiring. Anything, Neil, with it with an element that creates heat is dangerous, you know, susceptible to fire. Tumble dryers. it would be a build-up of lint and fluff in them um, if these machines aren't maintained regularly, you know. Um, a big thing, Neil, too, is when you buy appliances, you should always register them because... When you register, let's say you buy a new washing machine, you register it. If there's ever a product recall or anything like that on that machine, you will get an email telling you
1: about it, you know? Oh, my so God. So the, when we don't uh, register a new appliance and there's a recall, we won't know yeah. about being the fact that we have a dodgy appliance in the house.
9: Exactly. And there's you'd be surprised at how many things there are recalls on, um, on a plane. So I think it was, I'm not going to mention manufacturer, but there was a big manufacturer there recently, I think. And they recalled, they recalled something in dishwashers. But as well, Neil, another thing is a lot of these um, appliances come with instructions. And in some of the instructions, if you actually read the fine print, it will say that the machine is not to be used. has to be supervised
1: while in use. One know? way of getting around the registering issue is if those that are selling the appliance have to send the registration form and get the details in the shop, then people wouldn't yeah. have to remember to register themselves. I mean, that
9: yeah, would be no, one. I'm guilty of it myself. I bought a new washing machine, six, washing machine six months ago. I haven't
1: registered it, but, but
9: I should. I don't it think I've
1: ever registered no. an appliance in my entire no. life, Ken. No,
9: but just back to your question about what causes them to go on fire. And it's it's anything with a heating element, you know. It's obviously the heat, it, it, you know, it just become very susceptible to fire. And there's there's geniuses online there on forums and things. I'm like being sent sent screenshots of things where they're advising to run all these appliances by night when you're in bed shouldn't run them when you're in bed. You shouldn't run them when you're out of the home. Um, Dublin Fire Brigade put up tweets about it, advising people the exact same. I've heard Victor Shine before on Europe station yeah. advising the same thing. Um, we've had go- government ministers out recently advising it. It's just very, very dangerous. And Neil, I, I'm not trying to frighten anybody, and I understand the cost of living crisis and all, so on and so forth. If you have to run these machines by night, please have good working smoke alarms in the house You know that will alert you because smoke won't wake you up it'll only put you into deeper sleep you know
1: because the chances are if people have a cheaper rate or whatever at night there's a good chance without being overly alarming that they're running the dryer the washing machine and the dishwasher overnight all together
9: yeah and that's what they're being advised Neil you know and I've heard money money saving experts on TV and on radio advising the same thing and these people just they haven't seen the consequences of when, when when these machines go wrong um, and I trust the fire brigade on this, and I trust people like myself who go out and see the the consequences of when fires happen with these things, you know. It could and, be you know, as bad
1: know. as, say, having a dishwasher and a tumble dryer, say, in a utility room or an area next to a gas boiler, right? Well, yeah, well, obviously there's loads of,
9: like, once your gas is done properly and it's done by registered gas installers. But storage, in the event of fire, though... In All bets are of fire, off. Yeah, All bets are off, yeah. And, and, Neil, another thing as well is just the machine. If you look at the video there that I did, there's loads of comments where people got to the machines. They were in the house. The machine went on fire. They got to it. But the smoke damage that these machines can cause then in your
1: house, you could be out of your house for months just. Um, I know. I've spoken to people on the air you know. where it happened. I've spoken to them. And, yeah, they weren't, yeah. and they weren't old machines either. You might say something if it was a 15-year-old tumble dryer or something, wouldn't you?
9: No, no, no. no. There's a comment there in the video where somebody. I think he said it was a three-month-old washing machine. And he heard a bang and there was a fire. And
1: can can it be caused by overloading the machines, I wonder?
9: It can, of course. Yeah, absolutely overloading machines, um, not maintaining them properly. You know, if you hear funny noises from them, funny smells from them. Lots of customers will report to me. They'd say, look, there's an awful smell and it's kind of a fishy smell, As how I describe it. And that's the smell of the burning plastic inside it, you know, Um, and, and people ignore these smells. So if there's any strange smell or strange sound coming from any of your appliances, get somebody out to, to check it out you know? I know, there's plenty of I know. technicians around you know? just know. get it checked out, again Neil I'm not trying to frighten people but just when I hear all this, this advice coming to people who don't know what they're talking about people have to know these things are susceptible to I
1: know, I know for instance that um, gas boilers and boilers in general have to be serviced and maybe people are putting it on the long finger because they don't have the 70 or 100 euro to get it done that's a worry in itself but should electrical appliances also be regularly serviced?
9: Well, they should be well taken care of in the home. Now, in in commercial settings, like in offices and in, in industry and factories, you have a thing called portable appliance testing, where everything with a plug-on gets tested, you know, regularly. But in just in your own house, just be sensible, Neil. If there's anything, any strange sounds, anything that's not smelling right from an appliance, just just get it checked out. Yeah,
5: you know,
1: that's just, the warning sign. Don't ignore it. Yeah, that's
9: yeah. the warning sign. Just don't ignore it. Um, and it's not; it doesn't have to necessarily be the cheap machine that's going to fire. I've seen top of the range stuff as well. You're, you know?
1: And the damage, is it isolated to an area when you go in there to rewire or could it take out the whole house?
9: It can take the whole house. Neil,
1: that example there
9: I gave you with the woman recently in Balloncolic, like thankfully she got down to it. The fire brigade in Balloncolic were out to her very quickly. It damaged her kitchen. There was a small bit of rewiring in the kitchen. But it was the smoke damage that kept them out of their house for months because all the carpets had to come up, all the furniture had to be
1: replaced, the house had to be repainted, had to be decorated. You, that? Like, you know what that? And was that a washing machine or a tumble dryer? I was a dishwasher. A dishwasher. She just
9: put on before she went up to bed, and it was actually, you know, the control panel at the top is where the, where did where they figure the control panel just at the top where you press the buttons. That's where
1: the fire brigade. Um, they found that was the cause of the fire. That, that was the cause of the fire. The seat of the fire, whatever they call Electrical. it. Electrical. Yeah. Would an insurance company pay out? Then you you may not know this, but would they would they pay out for an appliance being run overnight? Oh, oh I presumed they would. I, I presume don't even go to
9: the insurance No, I presumed it yeah. would, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, just okay. advising people Neil just to be please be careful
1: of it. As we head you into know. the winter and possibly having cheap electricity doesn't mean you should be using appliances overnight. Okay, good man can no, yeah.
9: Neil one one last thing and just, just people just so people are aware, they don't have cheap electricity unless they've signed up for that tariff. You know, So,
1: just because you turn it on after 11 o'clock, and like, you don't necessarily have cheaper electricity unless you've signed up for the car. I know, you know what you're saying. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Good points, good okay. words of advice. Thanks, Ken, as always. Thanks, Here's no Ken problem. O'Connor Electrical. You can follow him on Instagram. Here, here's, uh, here's this is, I don't know, it's a long shot, but who knows? Uh, I get some bizarre stories shared in this program, I can tell you. I'm not sure if this is the right place to message this, she says, but my mum had a procedure done in the CUH. Just before she was put under for the procedure, the surgeon himself took off her wedding ring and her engagement ring. She totally accepts that she shouldn't have worn them on the day, but now they're saying they can't find them, even though they took them off her finger. Believe me when I tell you, she is totally devastated. My parents have been married for over 30 years and they have great sentimental value, as you can imagine. There were a gold wedding band and a gold band sapphire engagement ring. She can't remember much as she was being sedated when they took them. Could you ask the kind people of Cork who are in the CUH day ward area, perhaps to keep an eye out? I hate seeing my mum so devastated. I know, I can well imagine, but where did they go? They were taken off. Um, surely be to s- somebody in the CUH who was part of the surgical procedure knows where they were put and put aside. And that they're still there put aside. And it's just a case of finding the person who put them aside. If anybody can shed any light on that. Uh, please do so. Uh, text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Somebody also very critical of uh, Shane Ross while he was in government. I chatted with them earlier on this morning. They were saying I will never forgive him for introducing the Clancy amendment. Um, and if you don't remember the Clancy amendment, of course, this was introduced in memory of the Kilworth man Noel Clancy's wife Geraldine and daughter Louise. They were killed in a collision uh, some years back with an accompanied learner driver. It was absolutely tragic. And at one stage, poor old Noel came across the incident um, and almost became part of the rescue operation uh, of his wife, Geraldine, and his daughter, Louise, who both died. It was so tragic. Following that, we had the Clancy Amendment. uh, And I was looking at some stats uh, and I don't know what the figure is now, but when Anne Murphy wrote this in 2020 in The Echo... Already, up to 2020, 5,500 vehicles were seized from unaccompanied learner drivers since the amendment was introduced. Uh, The Gardaí, since 2018, have the power to seize vehicles driven now by unaccompanied drivers. And it will also prosecute the vehicle owners who allow their vehicles to be driven by unaccompanied learners. I can't understand why the texter would say, I'll never forgive. The Clancy Amendment, if it made our roads safer, like a learner driver caught now with an in you know driving unaccompanied, gets at least two penalty points, four if it's challenged, and a fine of 120 euro. And the owner could face a fine of a thousand euro, um, and also pay for the release of their vehicle because they actually do seize the cars. And up to 2020, five and a half thousand of them were seized from unaccompanied learner drivers. Figures obtained by the Irish Sun show that nearly 4,050 learner drivers got penalty points for driving unaccompanied in 2021. So in spite of the Clancy Amendment, the amount of learner drivers still driving unaccompanied year on year is going up.
5: To Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106.
1: Cork's Red FM. I uh, got a letter in actually from the staff uh, at WiseTech. I won't go into the full details of it, but we were contacted by employees who were writing on behalf of staff out there with uh, um, worries about some work that was being done in WiseTech. at the time. They uh, didn't want to go into all of the details, but it was out of the warehouses um, and they were putting in um, new flooring, I think. It was a process of layering a new floor, which had been put in an application of industrial flooring paint and staff members were worried about being in close proximity with it. They were of issues, they said, with risk assessment and they were complaining of stinging eyes and minor breathing difficulties and the fumes were overpowering them. Even the farthest away were being affected as this floor was going down. And they were worried and saddened that they were being expected to carry on working in these conditions without any discussions about the damage or possibility of toxins and their health and issues like that. Um, they weren't getting anywhere on that, so they just banged me off an email on it. I have to say, we got in touch then uh, with WiseTech and said, listen, uh, you might want to take a look at this because staff aren't terribly happy. And in fairness, they said, thank you for reaching out and bringing it to our attention. We take our health and safety very seriously and we've a proven health and safety track record across our sites and we have an internal process where employees can voice any concerns. That's all very well, but they felt as if they were getting nowhere. But they they did say, and it seems that in this case... Something has broken down and we will review it immediately. Um, they said that they have just completed their health and safety audit successfully um, and that the surprise that this issue, issue has been raised. But anyway, they say if you would kindly point this person to the uh, health and safety team, we will, of course, respond as is our process. If that person would prefer not to speak to us directly to protect their anonymity. They can use the suggestion boxes within the facility. So at least WiseTech came back and they're aware of the issue um, that the staff had. And I'm happy to be part of that and I hope by, you know, getting in touch with WiseTech on your behalf that things have now been resolved. But feel free to come back to me and let me know because you don't want to be worried about your breathing, about toxins and the issues regarding fumes and what have you. So I hope uh, that it's been rectified and uh, you know, that it's not too little, too late. But but do let me know. And just finally before I leave you for the day, that's in a Joe. Good morning. Good morning, my friend. You know, How are you? I'm good. You know, there's big talk about like Christmas now is is being heavily advertised ahead of fucking Halloween is this weekend, and we're yeah, all talking I about. hate
10: Halloween because so, I just want to get on to Christmas. I love it, Yeah, but you see, the problem
1: is everything gets too soon. Everything is done too soon, and we've been talking Christmas for weeks now, and we still haven't got through the bank holiday weekend, the jazz, know, or Halloween. Yeah.
10: But we'll th- our lives missed away we need. <laughs>
1: We, we just need to, um, like, allow things to traditionally happen like they used yeah, to do, slowly in their absolutely. own time. Like, Christmas yeah, but, should not start till the 1st of December.
10: Ah, uh, yeah, but see, if you get on there, if I get the Christmas lights and things, oh, people start thinking about or making their appointments, getting their vouchers for the presents. That's, you have to think, like, business-wise too. Maybe, it's you know good, I mean? Yeah, I
1: understand. From a commercial sense, businesses have to start early because there's a lot of competition. But they're saying yeah. that the Christmas lights will only come on for two hours. Maybe half six to half eight. That's yeah. all. Yeah,
10: I'm a bit, bit anxious about that myself because I know I'm light up Glasheen Road, you know what I mean, my seven flanneries, trying to light up Cox you Now, this year, Neil Cox, I think we should. But I was in with Jim Handy there recently, and he said, to put on the lights isn't that expensive <laughs> that you only take so much almost um, a 10 cent That's an hour fine I mean he's
1: got I know he has the Christmas shop open on the Kinsale Road but in a home setting that's probably very true but if you're lighting up half of the city I guess you have a big electric bill
10: Oh, absolutely, and you see, the, the thing, is, thing is about me, we want to light up, because there's doom and gloom, and I love Christmas, I love the, I was going to say fairy lights, but we can't say that anymore. <laughs> you can't! I love the lights. <laughs> <laughs> Stop now, Joe, be fair, we, we can't say that anymore, it's like a fairy thing. Anyway, that's the best part. We do need to light up, we need to get people kind of cheerful, a lot of doom and gloom around, I see it in the salon, and I just think, you know,
1: what do you I say to know, people ah we've been through this I've been through this in the 80s you say I did it again in the 90s we did it after yeah, the Celtic know, Tiger we'll that, do
5: it again yeah.
10: did it in 85 I said you know when interest rates were sky high um, did it during COVID we survived COVID you know what I mean so we'll survive this as well we w- we will survive it but a lot of people need are hanging on now to November to put on their heat and things I do feel sorry for for some some folk, you know, and I say, how are you getting on? I actually haven't put on the heat yet, and they definitely not put it on now till early November. So I mean, weird.
1: believe it or not, there was a big run on hot water bottles. Absolutely, yeah.
10: I think. why about electric
1: blanket? Would they be? Oh man, be? not at all. They'd ate the electric. Ate it. Would they? Totally ate. Well, I'll it. I'll just snuggle up
10: to Darren a bit. You'll later, have so. to
1: just snuggle into Darren of a night or go to bed early. But that's your own yeah, business. I I imagine that ultimately the, uh, businesses. I like to tell you everything. No, you. Don't. <laughs> Some things are best kept private. But <laughs> the, I think that businesses ultimately will just have to do one thing if they haven't done it off already, and that is put their prices up.
10: Yeah, they will. And um, you know what I find? Need I'm not doing it, and I'm trying not to do it. But sometimes I think, like, oh, f*** it. Hair dryers take so much electricity when you're blow dry someone's hair. You could, you know, to take five minutes to do an elderly, lady, I shouldn't say the word elderly, but then you could do this long head of hair and it could take forty-five minutes. Yeah,
1: yeah. What, about what, what about what about what about no yours. shows? I saw a no show there recently down in Bastion and Kinsale where they charged for the entire table even though the punters didn't turn up now they made a damn good explanation as to why because they you couldn't yeah, it was so a small right, restaurant and they got 30 need, minutes yeah. notice and they couldn't re, they couldn't resell the ta- it was it it only has 12 tables and there were 36 yeah. customers uh, but, but you're, the
10: same as us, need we might have a 2 hour job booked in and if it doesn't turn up what are you going to do for that 2 hours you have one of the girls sitting around the place and you know you can't get anybody in then and that short notice yeah. and the person might not turn up that's dreadful because you know you've you allocated two hours to do that job and then you're saying oh look I'll get X, Y and Z amount for that and then the whole day is changed Yeah, you know what I mean yeah yeah, yeah. no, it is but Neil can I ask you one question and this is a little personal do you mind
1: sorry what you say Joe sorry somebody talking to my ear
10: what? Quick, can I ask you a quick personal question uh, you're a why not you're a go one of my customers are actually out uh, cutting the hair down to say, how come Neil gets so much holidays <laughs> And I I know don't know but I will ask him
1: I don't actually I just take I just take shor- I take shorter ones more often you know nice to know that they're missing you you know what I mean listen believe me I've been asked that question an awful lot but I I, I don't take any more days than I'm entitled to by the company let me put it to you like that
10: yeah exactly yeah you take long shorter days <laughs> on the longer period oh
1: and there's a lot of smiling faces around here now I can tell you <laughs> Neil, can I get back to you before Christmas,
10: my friend, for my Christmas parties and all that? Listen, it's an open door,
1: pal. I'm here. You. I'm here to help you any time. Just let me know the day and the time, and I'm on it. All right? Perfect, Neil. And
10: let's light up, cock, for God's sake. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get those candles. Do you know the ones. Oh, those? You know, you and know, you hang know. them off lanterns.
1: I think we'll stick to the fairy lights, Joe. <laughs> oh, please, please. That's not very preferred. <laughs> Good luck, Neil. One goodbye. Take Thank care. You. Take care. Status: Orange, lads. Rain warning. I'm giving it to you now. for your grief over it. Rain warning. Cork, Kerry, Waterford, uh, Wexford, Wexford and Wecklow, Wicklow. Wexford. Heavy rain Tuesday night, Wednesday, Wednesday night, with the possibility of thundery downpours will lead to localized flooding. Disruptions likely. Don't come back to me now over the next few days and say I didn't tell you. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.
0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.